What is up? What is up? What is up, everyone? Welcome to the latest episode of the Never Been Done podcast in the golden episode number 50. How goes it tonight, gentlemen? Number 50. We all got new microphones and a new table. Feels like we're doing something for the first time, but not the first time. And CBS got rock stars. It's true. And we got White Claws. And we're also talking about Chris Nolan, who's my personal favorite director, even though it's not these guys' personal favorite director. This might be the uh, most hyped episode of all time. We've been talking about it for like 25 episodes. Yeah. When I promise that I'm not going to talk shit and be mean tonight. I, I promised. Towards the end of it, maybe you won't even know what happened, just like one of his movies. Oh, yeah? Yeah. There's going to be an w- interesting twist at the end. Yeah. We're going to do this episode out of order, too. So, I, know, I don't know what that means. I like it. I can do that. Hootie hoo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. <clears throat> Is that a memento joke? Oh, we can talk about his movies, like, not in chronological release. Whatever, man. I have a feeling that that doesn't ever actually hold true anyway. Like, you sort of try to start at the beginning of those things, and then eventually towards the middle it's just like a mess of whatever. So, I mean, that's kind of normal. Do you want to start at the end and then work? That that would be... Because by the time we get the beginning, it's going to be back to the end anyway, so... I'm just saying, how many times we talk about... Which would very much be like his movie Memento. It's like the same exact thing. I'm saying. That's kind of how every episode goes, though. Or I could just tattoo all the movies on your body to CBS so that you, like... But then I can't read them to make sure the order's it right. It wouldn't make very much sense for the Dark Knight trilogy, though. Mm. That's the one. That's the that one. That I feel like we got to talk about in order. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> we could start with that one and then go backwards. I mean, I guess. No, let's just do it normal. All right, fine. Okay. Fine. What, what episode Fine. is this? Episode 50, is that right? 50. Hey, okay. five zero. Yeah. Fitty, fitty. I like how last episode, like, I snuck in that racist, like, that racist joke to Tom right at the end. I laughed out loud when I was re-listening to it. I guess I don't remember what it was, so. <laughs> I guess it was fine. Somebody apologized for Tom, and I was like, yeah, it's not his fault, he's Asian. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't necessarily look at it the same way. I mean, I guess it's not his fault. I just thought it was funny. And then he was just like, I'm from... He, I was like, he's like, I'm not from North Korea. I'm from the good side. I was like, yeah, America. (laughs) I do remember that. He's like, no, no, I didn't bring over. I I didn't actually know that about him, so... There's that. So you want to do some news? Yeah, we'll do some news. Okay. I thought we were going to do some shit talk. We did a lot of, like, shit talking of, like, actual feces shit talk before we started. It was, like, a lot of good material. It wasn't really, like, a lot. I mean, we talked about your cat's problem, and then we talked about that kid in Toys R Us, I think it was. So that was years ago. I think that kid's problem is worse than my cat's problem. Oh, 100%. They shouldn't make that kid shit in a box. (laughs) (laughs) How many years ago was that? I mean, it's it's been a while. Like, 15, because Toys R Us was still open. He's a grown-ass man right now. I mean, if he lives, yes. Yeah, he was probably 10 years old, so he's 25 now. It's a 25-year-old kid, I would think. Hmm. He may be. Um, I don't really remember what the kid looked like, even. So. Me either, but I wish that I could go back in time and figure out who it was, and then come back to normal time today, and then go find him, and be like, remember that time you shit on the floor in Toys R Us, and just like totally like... 
I have a feeling you'd probably be like, which time? <laughs> I think it would be more funny if you went and found him and threw, like, a fucking chocolate soft-serve ice cream cone in his face and didn't say anything. I'm luckily I didn't step in it. <clears throat> That's what I got lucky that I... Like, his little brother called him out, or his big brother called him out just in time for me to look over and be like, oh, what the fuck? And, like, went and found CBS, who was, like, argue, <laughs> fighting, fighting some kid for the last fucking... Transformers, a figure that he wanted. And That's not true, though, because I don't really buy Transformers. You push kids down for stuff all the time. I mean, when they're way, yeah. But not for Transformers. I think my favorite thing to do is, like, go into the toy section of stores and purposely swear out loud, say, fucking fuck. So, like, little kids you're... have to hear me. My God. Oh, yeah, like Cartman Man. when he's like, <laughs> what's the term? When you yell out random shit, what is it? I can't think of it. Tourette's? Yeah. <clears throat> He like sees some kid in a toy store with Tourette's, and it his mom buys him more toys because he won't shut the fuck up. I remember that episode. So yeah. Cartman starts doing it. He gets out of hand with him. Uh, oh, eventually, fuck. comes a major problem. That's some funny shit. It was. It was funny. Doesn't make it right. But it's funny. Oh jeez. Oh, and then there's Nora, where we live. Like we made national news because the whole town has some sort of infection. Like, it's the whole town shut down, basically. It's not totally true, either. Not the me, school, I'm clean. The school shut down. As far as you know. I'm clean. As far as you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, in theory, all of us should be, but I mean, whatever. You know, they say that it takes, like, there was some guy going around, to, like, doing, like, talks about HIV and AIDS and how it doesn't exist, and he, like, he, like I'll prove it to you, I'll prove it to you, and, like... He was like per he was sticking himself with a fucking syringe full of like AIDS, like a supposed AIDS blood or whatever. And then everybody's like, "Yeah, you realize it takes like ten years to actually show up, so like that doesn't like that's not really a thing." And like, if AIDS doesn't exist, then how are you sticking yourself with AIDS? Is the other thing I wanted to know. I mean, that's weird. That's a thing at all. The guy, not necessarily the disease, disease, whatever. But I mean, the thing that he probably should do if he's really like bloodborne things is like stick yourself with some asian blood so like then it'll make your eyes go slanty that's the that's the be the thing what you don't do pretty sure it doesn't work that way pretty sure it does i don't think it works that no. way either pretty, pretty sure all right it's like saying you stick yourself with some black blood and your cock is enormous overnight speak for yourself but you got to stick it in the end of your dick though I mean, as long as you were very precise in your sticking, then I would think it would be all right. <laughs> if you get it right down the urethra. So a couple highlights of of the last 50 episodes. What's, like, what's some of your favorite things that have happened in this show, guys? I wanted to ask you that before we get rolling, going rolling hard. New mics and a new table. <laughs> so like right, right now. It's it's it has been like from when we started in my living room with Chandler on the couch laughing like a maniac like smashing tall boy PBRs like thirty of them by himself to now when we're I feel like we're a little bit more organized and professional. I feel like we made some massive strides. What do you think, CBS? Sure. Do you have any favorite times? This is when we stop count as a time. No? Okay. I, I like I like how emotional you got about Stanley. Uh, and you said, "Damn you, Josh." And you got mad at me cuz I like you. 
but it was like, but it, but it shows that like, even the, even the hardest men are soft, you know? Mm. Yeah, I guess so. In some areas, probably not in the knee breaker area. We haven't talked about knee breaker in ages. That's why I brought it up. Figures. So yeah, we let Tom and uh, Connor in on the last episode, I think, just so that they wouldn't feel left out about not being in episode 50, but I think it's good. It's just the three OGs. <clears throat> yeah, and it's going to be just me and you in a while. Yeah. This old CBS here is going to a movie. Hmm? To that new porn theater just opened up. <clears throat> Let's see if Fear Ever Tell needs one. To see Black Cock Down. It's not the truth at all. All right. You don't have anything favorite? Mm, no. I'll say that I think my favorite episode still, which I haven't listened to all of them because, you know, I hate listening to myself, but I think my favorite episode still is the Coen Brothers episode. Yeah, that one was pretty solid. I think my favorite episode probably is... Mm, I think the Rob Zombie one went pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty yeah, solid. Rob Zombie was pretty good. Hulk Hogan was alright too. Hogan was fun. Just because it was so so fucking bizarre. But It was weird. I, did, I saw a video of him the other day where some guy was like, I guess, yelling at him in a coffee shop or something. I'm not really sure where he was at. But he's, he's walking with a crutch for whatever reason. And he was a bar. I don't really know where he was. Anyhow, some dude was yelling at him and like, it became a thing for two seconds, and then the dude realized he was Hoko and he was jumping at. It was kind of hilarious. <laughs> uh, some good times. And those Christmas episodes are pretty fun. Is there two of them? I guess there is. Yeah, I bet, yeah. So there's only two? We didn't do three? I thought we did three. I don't we just did two. remember. Part one and part two. I don't know how we're going to do a Christmas one this time. We've talked about the best ones already. Yeah, pretty much blew a load there. Well, I'll we'll figure it out. We'll do something. <clears throat> so anyway, that's all. Shall we? News flash. What's in the news? Want to do the beep beep news All right. So the Black Adam movie is going to introduce the Justices Justice Society of America into the uh, DC Cinematic Universe. <laughs> What's your take on that? What is that? First off, I don't know what that is. There's the Justice League and there's Justice Society. Just Justice Society is all the Golden Age heroes, pretty much. Like, Golden Age. There's, like, Golden Age, Silver Age, kind of Bronze Age, and then Modern Age is-ish. It's kind of... The teams haven't really changed between the... Like, the Golden Age teams and the Silver Forward pretty much are the same. The Golden Age is the only one really different. So, you have a different Green Lantern, not... The- a different Flash. Different Flash. Now, granted, we've seen a lot more of him because of the animated or because of the Flash TV show. But um, Jay Garrick. Jay Garrick is the one with the dish on his head. He's the, the old, old school, school Flash, Flash. With, like the thing on his head with the like. Right. That's the, the, that's the Golden Age Flash. Who is he supposed to be based off of? The, the helmet is Mercury. Green, yeah, Mercury. Yeah. And then Green Lantern used to have like the original, the Golden Age. Uh, Alan. Uh, uh, Alan Scott. Alan Scott had like a purple and. He wore a cape, and he yeah. had, like, a red, like, sort of pirate shirt, kind of. He was the magic Green Lantern. Yeah. So the way Green Lanterns are now versus then, it was a totally different bag and totally different thing. His ring was uh, vulnerable to wood. 
Yes. His yeah, he was his power was vulnerable to wood. And uh then the Silver Age is when all the other ones came out. Yes, everything that people think of now as classic characters are from that era. The older ones don't show up in a lot of stuff. I mean Power Girl kinda was part of that JSA stuff and she's Supergirl from another planet. So like, if she shows up in the movie, awesome. Hopefully they get somebody with big enough boobs. I mean that's the real challenge for that. Right. Um, J.J. Abrams is rumored to be making the next Superman movie. Whoa. And Henry Cavill, as of today, insists that he is still the DC Cinematic Universe Superman. That's interesting. Yep. I I guess that Witcher stuff didn't work out so good. Do you think J.J. would want to keep him, or do you think he'd want to... I feel like he would want to cast him himself. I think he would want to keep him, because he's so good at it. I mean, as far as style, it would be kind of a waste to to try to recast around somebody. I mean, the dude's a decent actor. He just hasn't been given good scripts, so that's, like, the problem. I think J.J. could do a super awesome Superman movie. Yeah. That fits, Definitely. I think that fits him, to, to me, anyway. But I like, I like me some J.J., so. Yeah, I'm into that. Um, the Witcher actually got greenlit for a second season already. CBS. That's fine, but he's even though he's part of that show... The way I understand it, now granted I haven't seen the other show. He's the main character. But the way I understand it is the majority of the show is coming from a secondary character's perspective. Even though he's the quote-unquote main character from the game, there's a female lead that the majority of the show is coming from, which I guess is, is fine. I mean, I don't have any problem with that. I didn't really play those games at all. But it's, based I don't, on, it's based off a book series, actually. In the well, there's book. a series of games, too. Yeah, the games came from the books. So is the, are the books written from the girl's perspective? No, I read the first. I'm, I've read the first two. Um, they're they're actually really good. It's about, I think if I think the girl that it's going to be is like it's an ex girlfriend of his that like hates him, but like but we used to be I, something. I think is what it, or maybe no. Actually, I think it's it's an apprentice because like witchers are a dying breed in the books, and he takes on an apprentice, and I think it'd probably be from her point of view. Okay. I think that'll probably what it'll be. Then this necessarily guarantee him a big part in season two, but I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah, but they shoot they shoot those series and then they like, you know, they only do like ten episodes, so he'll it'll probably be a point where he can be do a movie as well intermittently. Plus, it's a Netflix series, isn't it? I thought it was Amazon, but I guess I don't know that. Again, I'm not real versed on what's happening with The Witcher, other than he was doing that instead of Superman, and now I guess he wants to do both, which that's great. There's not any reason for him not to. I mean, he's supposed to be in the next Mission, um, mission Impossible? Yeah. Which he was in one already. He was, but he's also supposed to be in the next one. Like how He that died. Makes, I know. How that makes any sense, I was about to say, I don't understand at all. Unless it's like a flashback or something. I he liked has, his character in that, but... I mean, he's cool. He had a sweet mustache. He got hit in the face with a fucking... So many times? Him, oh my god. Him and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise's boss. Who dies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I Baldwin. Baldwin, yeah. Or, yeah, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, Alec Baldwin's supposed to be in the next one as well. Yeah, it's the only thing that can be that makes Time sense travel. Is a flashback. Well, maybe that's the only road they haven't crossed yet. They're going there, right? I mean, they gotta. So, in Endgame, I talked about in the last episode that there was like a... Did you guys watch that scene yet that I told you about? I fucking forgot. No. Um, there's also another scene, I guess, that they filmed that's supposed to be popping up periodic some, at some point that Hawkeye is the one that dies instead. No, it makes sense to film, too, that we have the option. 
that makes more sense to me than anything else they've done. Well, they did say that Robert Downey was like the only one who knew the pro- the true ending of everything. He was the only one besides the director. Yeah, makes sense, I guess. So as they, far as they filmed a lot of stuff so that even the actors couldn't spoil anything because... <clears throat> well, Tom Holland's loosely loves sinks ships, as I've been told, so... It so, makes sense to keep part of it secret. I called in the last episode when I was talking about that new movie with Tom Holland and um, they're doing a movie together. I'm like, it's a based off of the game, the Uncharted. Uncharted. Yeah, like I called him Tom Hardy, Hardy, Hardy yeah. like three times, but then like, but at the end of it, like I like Tom Holland though, blah blah blah. But I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know why I did that. It was just kind of a screw up. But I mean, Tom Hardy makes a little more sense actually. But okay. Look wise, the dude looks more like the character, depending who he's supposed they to be. They want him to be young, probably. Probably is the thing. Um, January twenty twenty, um, Disney is supposed to announce the next what the next Star Wars full length action movie is going to be. That's an interesting idea. Is it not going to be the trilogy um, that not. Ryan Johnson's doing? They're, they're saying that might be down the road. They don't know. Yeah, at this point, he's not necessarily on the bubble anymore like he was. His new movie's getting Knife's pretty out. good reviews, though. The commercials look great. Yeah. Like, I think that the dude does his own stuff, then it's fine. Because I don't feel like he's a bad director. I feel like you can't tell a Star Wars story to save his life, but I'm not... That's that's where I'm at in the room, so I mean, whatever. But I think Knife's Out looks great. Is that the murder? The murder mystery with yeah. Evans and like a whole a handful of like famous famous faces. Mm-hmm. Plus, Chris Evans gets to swear a lot, so he's got to quit being Captain America for a minute. So that's good. Cool. I have seen the trailer for that. It does look good. Um, Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I have not, but I'm gonna look it up. Like, I guess he made to make fun of Scorsese. Made a parody trailer for the new Irishman movie. Called the Irish Man, and it um they re-edit the vid- the a trailer to make it look like Robert De Niro's an Irish Iron Man <laughs> to make fun of that whole mo- like Scorsese talking shit about Marvel movies. That's pretty funny. That's uh yeah. and well deserved, That's I would funny. say. Um, James Gunn is being coy on the whole Adam Warlock being in Guardians Three. He made a quote. This last week saying, I didn't say he was in it. I never said that. Well, this stage in the game, I don't see how it makes sense if he was. I mean, the end of that movie sets it up pretty good, but as a thing... They could introduce a new character into a new... I'm a not new... saying that they can't. I'm just saying that at this point in the game, they've gone so far past things that he's important for that it seemed kind of a waste unless he's just going to be used as a bad guy, which that's how he started, I guess, <laughs> technically. But... As a thing, it just seems like a something that should have happened ten years ago. Maybe not ten. Three years ago? Three years ago. Said Disney not done their weird separation and caused that extra lag in time. Probably would have been better there. But now we've gone past all the gauntlet stuff, so all the things that connect to him to like the most powerful being in the universe they did, he's kinda of squandered. They did well they did talk about that a little bit in the article that I read, and they're saying that they would have had to have done an entire Adam Warlock movie. And then what would they have done with Silver Surfer and blah, blah, blah. So they're saying that, like... Well, at the time, Surfer wasn't something they had access to. Now he is, so it would be different now. Yeah, so, I mean... Surfer's with, way easier to drop than Warlock is, though. Between the, the whole point of that story, like, Adam's more important. So, I mean, they can they can use him in a different way. It'd be, well, it'd be interesting. I mean, there's other stuff they can do with him, so... 
I'm not saying I can't. It just seems like a. I hope they do, just because he's a time-wise, it seems I don't know, like a missed window. Not saying they can't, because clearly they'll do whatever they want. So, but whatever. Um, and then my last bit of news is they didn't really. There's not a lot of information on it, so I'm I'm curious. We we have talked about it in the past a little bit, but the the RoboCop Returns movie is back on track. I guess that there it got. People were wondering if it was going to actually, but it's like a full on, it's like full on back on track in production, hmm. blah, blah, blah now. So, so like reboot, it's going to be basically kind of like the original guy that played RoboCop. It's going to be part of that shit, like RoboCop Returns. So cool. Cause I didn't like the new guy. I didn't either. That, mo- that newer movie was fucking garbage. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't great. It has some parts out there. All right. But. That's just like every reboot. The pieces are okay, but as a thing, interesting. Is it? Hopefully, they don't let Frank Miller get his hands in there because that guy shouldn't touch movies. <laughs> he really shouldn't. Like, write comics all day long, bro. Did he do the third one or the second the one? Third one and wrote wrote the second one. So he's connected to both of them. So the only good one, the first one. Fuck yeah, that first one's so good. so good. It's so violent. The, yeah, like fucking it's just- hardcore. Yeah. So the first one's the only one that doesn't have any of his stink on it. Movie two, yeah, he's connected to it too, but he wasn't in charge of things. Movie three is a complete mess, and well, there you go. His other credit would be like the spirit, and even though that visually looks amazing, the rest of it's not good. That yeah, that was a bad one. Yeah, was, I, I, very few movies I just turn off. I literally. Never, I couldn't fucking do it. It was so fucking bad, I turned it off. That's uh-huh. how bad the spirit was to me. And I went and watched that thing in the theater with Dan. It was on fucking Christmas Day, wasn't it? No. Wasn't it released on Christmas Day? I don't think so. I don't remember. I, yeah, I don't remember. Sure. Anyway, Dan just had his teeth worked on, and so we were sitting in the, in the theater, and it was a packed theater, because everyone was expecting Sin City 3, or Sin City, I guess Sin City 2 at that point. And uh, halfway through the movie, I like look at Dan, and I'm like, am I the only one that thinks this is terrible? He's like... He was on painkillers for his teeth, and he's like, I don't have any idea what's happening. And I'm like, hmm, probably not the right person to answer, to ask about it right now. But yeah, I like it. It's like they took a Will Eisner, and this is not going to make any sense to the people that are listening, but that's okay. It's like they took a Will Eisner comic, which is the guy who wrote comics in the 50s, created the spirit, fantastic dude, has an award named after him. But he took, like, he took a script in the 50s, didn't iron it out at all, and they're like, here, we'll just use this. And go. God awful. The visuals are great. I mean, everything looks amazing in it, but the rest of it's just not good. I'd say watch the TV episode that they shot as a pilot back with Sam Jones, Mr. Flash Gordon. Watch that instead. Sam motherfucking Jones. Right? I like that thing better, actually, than the... Visually, won't be nearly as pleasing, but, you know, whatever. <coughs> I guess it depends what you're there for. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, yeah. That's all I got for news, James. Shall we get started? We shall. So, Christopher Nolan. He was born on July 30th, 1970. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. You're going back to the beginning. That's crazy. On a very... Splustery, snowy day. Cloudy afternoon. <laughs> Go on. Um, you had me a cloudy. Well, you know, he's... What, what year? Uh, 1970. So he's, how old is he? 49? 49 or 50. Yeah. 
Maybe he's a. Uh... No, he's forty nine. I was gonna say maybe he's fifty, and we're doing our fiftieth episode. That'd be hilarious, but yeah, yeah. almost. Maybe we'll do another one just for him on next, his fiftieth sometime birthday. next year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, whatever. We can do new news and just rerun the rest of this. No? Right. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he started out doing very, very, very low-budget films, and now he's doing some of the biggest blockbusters there are. But uh, let's see what kind of cool info I got. Oh, one cool thing is he had a Howard Hughes movie in development before Scorsese but he was having trouble getting funding for it. And then by the time it started kind of lining up, Scorsese was already starting to work on the aviator. So he just canceled it, Hmm. but he wrote a script for it and all kinds of shit. And he wanted Jim Carrey to be Howard Hughes back then. Like, I'm like, so that, that could have been cool, but it just never happened because he didn't want to do it since Scorsese was doing it. That, Jim Carrey's gone on to show that he can do the drama shit real well, so that could have been very, like, the, I mean... It was a I, different time in the world for him, too. Like, he was still kind of on the top of that bubble. I think Leo should have won an Oscar for that movie. I think oh, definitely. He's so good in that movie. Like, he does the insanity, lock himself in the hotel room for a month, like, look, the craziness, and, like, the OCD, like, he does it brilliantly, but... <clears throat> but that would have been, like... I think Carrie could have done a really good job. The other side to that is if he would have made that, the Dark Knight trilogy with him never would have happened. Oh, crazy. So I'm glad that it didn't happen. Because those movies are still, to me, some of my favorite comic book adaptations. Yeah. But yeah, that's a tidbit that is interesting. I wonder if like he'll ever revisit that or if he's just like, nah, fuck it. He seems like the kind of guy that's like, no, I'll never touch that since... He's so he's so tight-lipped about everything <clears throat> until it actually... I mean... I don't know. Like, yeah. All right, let's see. Um, unadjusted for inflation, Chris Nolan is the, only the second director after James Cameron to make two films that have grossed more than $1 billion. Obviously, at this point, that probably doesn't doesn't include the the Russo brothers. Oh yeah, because this was probably written before that. But to that point, it was only him and James Cameron. Um, even though he made the Dark Knight trilogy, he admits to being a huge fan of Tim Burton's Batman movie. That's good. I thought you'd like that, Josh. I did. I'm just giving the <laughs> nod right now. <laughs> Um, he considers Stanley Kubrick and Ridley Scott as his primary influences. I can see Kubrick, for sure. Yeah, and Ridley's kind of like, probably because of Alien, I would think, but, yeah. But, yeah, so first movie following, did you get a chance to watch that? I did not. It's the only one I haven't seen. So. I swear that I've made you watch it before, though. I might have. It's in black and white. Super, super low budget. It was like... Was it like there's like a thief or something in it? Yeah, so it's like... 
the premise is this guy gets this guy's house gets robbed and then he starts thinking about what it would be like to rob people and kind of mess around with their shit and like just throw them off so he starts going like breaking into people's home well he follow he'll follow someone he'll like go to a coffee shop and then he'll follow someone home wait for them to leave and then he'll break in and kind of like he might take a few things but he kind of just moves shit around so that when they come back they're like just thrown off by it but it's a really cool movie is like I think it he made it for six thousand dollars. Dang. And like him and the entire cast and crew were all working full time jobs at the time. So they were just shooting it like a day here and a day there when they could. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool. It's in black and white. Um but towards the end of it, like someone that he goes into their house starts following him and it like turns around on him. Uh-huh. So it's it's pretty dope. I mean for a $6,000 movie. <clears throat> I guess at that point it's like what if you have something to film it with, like that's kind of where like if you, if everybody's kind of just donating their time and their energy, like as long as you have something to film it with and like somebody to edit it, like if it depends what the sh- you know, like the six thousand dollars. Like it's kind of just did they borrow? You know, like it's kind of like if they were in film school. There's always that like, but like you know, um, Lucas used when he shot a bunch of stuff. He used because he was going to film school at the time, so he used equipment from the school. Yeah, yeah. Chris Nolan wasn't going to film school, so he probably just had his own stuff, his own equipment. You know, renting equipment or whatever. I can see easily spending six thousand dollars renting six thousand dollars running a camera for several random days a month. I mean, yeah, that would, be, that would easily rack up that much money. As far as the right. thing is concerned, I mean, if you if he fed his people, that could easily rank up that too. So, I also just really liked it because actually, I think I saw Memento first. Well, both of those are a few of the first movies I ever saw that didn't go in chronological order. And that whole idea to me was like, it's harder to follow, obviously, but I, I like the idea of it. Like, I think Pulp Fiction was the first one I saw that was kind of like that, but. Sure. But I like that whole thing. Like, it's a maze. Like, you get to figure this out. What else I got on this movie? Uh, oh, he came up with the idea for this movie because he had his home broken into and wondered what the people thought as they went around looking at his belongings. That's where the idea for the movie came about. That's crazy. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So Memento is next. What do you guys think of that one? I mean, it's, my, it's crazy. It's my least favorite one. I was I I uh, seen it twice, start to finish, and I didn't enjoy it either time. It's like it just it bugs me. Almost. I don't know. It's, I mean, I think if I revisited it now, I might, I might have a different opinion on it because I can appreciate things a little bit differently as you, you know, as you get older, you're like your palate changes. Mm-hmm. But, um, at the time I was like, God, this movie's fucking terrible. 
It was just, to me, it was so slow. Yeah, I guess it was slow. It's been a fair minute since I watched it, but I remember liking it just fine. I like the mystery of it, like how it finally explains itself. I don't know. I, for whatever reason, I, I don't I don't dislike Memento. But it has been a minute since I watched it, so I mean, I don't necessarily feel the need around and watch it either, so I guess there's that. I don't know if that adds to liking it or not. I liked it, though. So if you haven't seen it, I say watch it. I think one of the coolest things, one of the only trivia pieces I took down about it, and I don't remember it being this many times, and it makes me want to watch it again, but I guess the narrative jumps 113 times from one time period to another. Which seems like a lot, but... It sounds like a lot, but when he's in flashbacks, we can flashbacks and flashbacks. I mean... I'm surprised when I count how many times it happens. That one took me a few times. I had to watch that several times to kind of get what was going on. Uh, next, we got Insomnia. Have you guys seen that? Is that the, the that's Robin Williams? He's like super creepy. Yeah, yeah. He and was he was really good in that. That one's actually a remake. Which I didn't know at first. I found out years later after I saw it. But where is this? Yeah, it's a remake. It was from Insomnia, but it was a Norwegian film in 1997 with Stellan Skarsgård. But then it got remade. Huh. And it's the only Chris Nolan movie that doesn't that he doesn't actually have a writing credit. Like hmm. it's the only one he he wasn't involved with the screenplay. Crazy, <clears throat> but yeah, Robin Williams in that—that that was a—that was a creepy year for Robin Williams in general, because that was the same year as One Hour Photo too. Oh, oh really? yeah. So Robin crazy. Williams just did two creepy ass roles back to back. Well, we said it on here like how many fucking times that comedians are almost better like dramatic actors <clears throat> than anybody, because like to have to be to be a comedian, like I think that. You have, you have to have a certain kind of, a certain darkness in you that, like, someone who's just a normal, like, day-to-day actor doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. They've been talking a lot on Hot Ones, too, about how comedians would probably be really good freestylers because they have to ad-lib all the time and whatnot, and I think that plays into it, too, is, like, they're just always on their toes and, like, thinking as fast as they can. Yeah. Have you seen Insomnia CBS? The, uh... The Rob Williams movie? Yeah. Yeah. The one that's in Alaska? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of the whole talk about how the weather, or how the sun doesn't go down and stuff like that. I mean, as a thing in general, I remember it being okay, being fine as a movie, but the thing that bothered me is just it was so weird for Robin Williams I saw one other photo after that so I don't I don't know when they even released but chronologically for me I saw one other photo afterwards I'm like damn and now I see where he gets it from and it's like the, both movies fit together almost it's weird right yeah <laughs> but I mean I don't I wouldn't say it's a favorite for me because I don't really like Williams that way it was interesting when it happened because like holy crap this dude can do other things that are just not they're completely opposite of what he's known for. So, I mean, that's just leans to the same thing with, like, the dude, uh, the director for Us and Get Out, 
whose name now I can't remember. Jordan Peele. There you go. I mean, he's great at that stuff. And like all the stuff he's done for the uh, Twilight Zone, like those things have been great too. So I guess it makes sense that he could play dark. I mean, just like Carrie, he can do dark too. So I mean, think of the numbers movie. Like he's so weird in that. And like right. But yeah, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that this is a favorite for me by any means, as far as the uh, the Ron Williams film. But whatever. So funny story. The dogs kept barking because um, they kept hearing like the alarm horn go off. So me like setting the alarm on their car. Sure. It was my car, and it was me sitting on my keys, pushing the button <laughs> with my fucking ass. So, there's been times when I've, like, gone out to my car at work and my trunk's open because I've sat down and pushed the trunk button with my ass. Don't put your keys in your back pocket, you goon. Who puts their keys in their front pocket? That's two hands raised right now. You stupid. And fuck. one's mine and one was not mine. <laughs> so it wasn't like I raised my hand twice. Whatever. It's just like your phone. You put your phone in your back pocket. I'm like, nah, dude, that's not where it goes. Why not? You're not a fucking 13-year-old virgin girl. <laughs> Who puts it in their front pocket? Get what you're saying there. Everyone but girls. <coughs> I mean, admittedly, I do use the side pocket, the hammer pocket for cargo pants, so there you go. Yeah, but I'm not a, but again, I'm not a 13-year-old boy, so I don't wear cargo pants. I mean, whatever. I don't want to say workmen's wear them, too. <laughs> you're not a workman, motherfucker. I do things. I build stuff. It makes me workman. <laughs> Just okay. saying. Well, uh, so now starts Dark Knight trilogy. Batman Begins. Yeah, so you mean to tell me there was only three movies before Dark Knight? Is that true? He didn't do a bunch of other nonsense before that. He did a couple of short films. Right? Yeah, there's some okay. shorts in there. Okay, but that, but, but only two, three. Huh. He did three shorts oh, before that. Crazy. Okay. okay. One's a TV, and then two short films. But like. 89, 96, 97, then he did the following in 98. Huh. Memento 2000, Insomnia in 2002. I'll be damned. And then he took three years off and then did Batman Begins in 05. Cool. Okay. So, and I know Tyler's going to delve into this a lot, but because this is your favorite of the three, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, I hold to this that if DC would have just followed Chris Nolan's blueprint, I think that their cinematic universe would be way more successful. The realistic, like real life, like if superheroes existed in like in real life, I think that it would have been like because we'll talk about it. I think because it's not on here, but like you feel his presence in Man of Steel. Oh, absolutely. And it feels like Superman exists in the real world in that movie. And that so. was the last one he had. He had final say on that one. On Man of Steel? Yeah, like, Zack Snyder directed it, but he was there, like, to say, Overseas. yes, this is good enough, or no, like, we need to make this better. <clears throat> and I think that's, you know, once that was over, that's where it kind of fell off but yeah Batman Begins I've said it and I'm I stand by it that like it's just my favorite of the three and I know people 
think I'm crazy for that because the Dark Knight was so fucking good and it was so fucking good, but Batman has been my favorite superhero since I was fucking three or four years old. And I just feel like the character development is that in that movie is some of the best character development I've seen in any movie. So I don't know. Isn't he your favorite too, CBS? Who my favorite? Batman. Oh yeah, Batman and Nightwing, but the two kind of beget each other. So then Wolverine. There's a whole lot actually, but yeah, Batman would probably be my my main one. Um. Mm. I, I like it that the uh, <clears throat> the, like Tyler was saying that the character development like it shows part of Bruce's journey as what he did to make his him his body and his mind perfection to be able to become what he the world's greatest detective like it kind of it goes it goes into that like I thought I thought it was pretty cool that they did because he can't show I mean everything but it shows a lot of it like the him street fighting like the cage fighting or whatever he's done like and meeting Rajal Ghoul and <clears throat> I know it's just really fucking cool I feel like he's not even really Batman until halfway through the movie so it's really just like I don't think he's really Batman <clears throat> I mean it's that it's a it's a Batman year one for sure but it's like so Batman mm-hmm. Batman is so raw there they do they do a pretty good job with the the training and stuff. I don't know. I have issues with this movie too, but I have issues with all of them, so I guess it doesn't matter. Just as a thing, like there's just pieces that we never get fleshed out, and every movie has part of that same problem. But as a thing, like all the training stuff is pretty good, and as far as the play between him as as Bruce and as Batman, he does a pretty good job on both sides. Which a lot of the other guys had a hard time with one, but were good with the other. And it's just like with Spider-Man, when you think about, like, Topher Grace, pretty good Peter Parker, but Spider-Man's kind of eh. And with Andrew Garfield, it's the opposite. His Peter Parker doesn't fit, but his Spider-Man was awesome. They come with a kid, and the kid seems to do pretty good. I mean, Tom, he does pretty good on both sides. But he admittedly has been more Spider-Man than he's been anything else. So, I mean... <clears throat> That's fine, whatever. I do like him on both sides of that, but I have the same problem with most of the Batman guys. But Bell's Bruce Wayne and Batman are both pretty equal, so that's cool. So I got some some good trivia on this one. Sweet. So while shooting on the streets of Chicago, a person accidentally crashed into the Batmobile, (laughs) and the driver was drunk and said he hit the car in a state of panic, believing the vehicle to be... An invading alien spacecraft. <laughs> Which, I don't know if you remember what it looks like, but the Tumblr was fucking... It was crazy. I'd be freaked out if I saw that thing and I didn't know what was going on. I don't know. I think it was more of a military vehicle than a crazy thing from outer space. Well, yeah, so. but still, like, if you're drunk driving around and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? <laughs> so, th- I don't know why I'm- this reminds me of two things. Number one, the Navy, the U.S. government admitted that Tom DeLong's UFO videos are real. They're uh, real videos. Yeah. Like Go. they're not they're not mock ups that's actually yeah. real like UFO films. Something was really filmed, yes. Yeah. Number two, speaking of crazy drunk drivers, 
uh, two blocks up the street, some fucking drunk driver crashed into the side of a fucking house last night, and there's like a hole in the side of their house. Because those two things up. correlate to one thing? Well, he said UFOs and drunk drivers, so okay. I mean, both of those things. So two things are separate. Like, so it wasn't like the guy hit the house was like, holy crap, it's all alien. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> Just ask him. And they were like, yeah. It was he, mi- from, he might have said that. This is a guy from south of the border. And he's like, nah, that's not the same Whoa! kind, bro. <laughs> I can't help what it is. It's not my fault. Stereotypes are things because they're real. <laughs> I just thought the story was going to come to a full circle I, But it didn't, so I was disappointed It's perfect because You know, we're doing Chris Nolan So sure, makes sense <laughs> Makes sense because it doesn't make sense Yeah, go on um, Heath Ledger was considered for the role Of Bruce Wayne and Batman During early development And obviously ended up getting the Joker later on that would have been interesting. I think it would have been different. I mean, it would have played to the other strengths that we saw the man do in his other acting. I mean, as far as pieces are concerned, he played a lot of roles that I could see lend to that same idea, like a dual identity thing. He had the right chin for it. I don't know if voice-wise we got the same delivery. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't talk a lot, so, like, I mean, somebody, because he's, you know, he thought is Australian, or right. was Australian, so it's like... I think a lot of times when he played, like, a lot of times you don't know, like, the actor does a good job right. with hiding that, but, like, with him, it was very noticeable. Oh, yeah. He had a, he had something that was broke all the time. It didn't matter what movie he was in, he, he had a piece to it. Except, Most Ni- of them it worked. except Night's Tale, because he just spoke in his yeah, fucking normal Night's Tale, it fit just fine because of what it was. Mm-hmm. And it sort of fit in 10 Days Ahead about you, because he's supposed to be living in, in another state. like so Having lived in Australia. Right. So mm-hmm. they had they explained it in a backstory for him. Yeah. So, like, so, which I love 10 Days Ahead about you, but, I mean. Yeah, it's great. But, yeah, as a thing, that's, <coughs> I don't think it would be the same delivery because of that. Had a guy played more parts where he spoke as a American in his Baroque, <laughs> then maybe it would have been different. I think trying to sell the idea of a Bruce Wayne that also lived in Australia and then got himself in a sweet Thor accent, or, you know, the guy who plays Thor's accent, it would have been different. I'm calling it now, though. I think Panson's going to do a good job. He's got the right chin, and like the indie stuff, the little pieces I've seen are pretty good. I mean, he carries around that whole. Twilight thing, but best I understand, none of us have really seen Twilight, and all I've, all I know that I've seen is chunks cut up into memes and like, the sort of like the worst parts of the movie, regurgitate on the internet to make fun of it, and then him is in the Harry Potter movie, and that's like entirely different thing because he's a kid in it, right? So no, I've watched some of his indies and I was pretty, pretty fucking surprised that this guy wasn't just a fucking vampire, right? You know. I mean, he might be, but nevertheless. Uh, no? What was the one I saw? I'm going to have to look this up, because there was one movie I was really impressed with, and I still haven't seen The Lighthouse, and I want to. Is it out? It came it's away not, already. It came here? It didn't come here. Yeah, no, I was going to say, it, I didn't, I didn't know it had been released yet. Yeah. Well, it's come out. But it's, you know, that's super fucking indie, so. Have you guys heard of this? Mm-mm. Is that the place you get the burgers at? Because I like those. Good times. So the premise is... Good <laughs> Not the same thing, but funnier, I guess. After a I botched know. bank robbery lands his younger brother in prison, Connie Nikas, who's his character, embarks on a twisted odyssey through New York City's underworld 
to get his brother Nick out of jail. And he's like the star. But it's like super indie movie, but I was like, okay, this guy's got something going. Cool. I guess we'll see. Yep, we will. Um, what else? Are we still talking about movie one? Yeah. Um, I like Michael Caine as Alfred. Oh, yeah. I love Michael Caine, though. Michael Caine's been in, I think, yeah, Batman Begins was his first, but he's been in every Chris Nolan movie since then. Oh, crazy. And even in Dunkirk, he's not in it, but he plays a voiceover role. Oh, that's cool. At some point in the movie. Huh. That's cool. I do like Gary Oldman as uh, Gordon, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Oldman's great. Cillian Murphy did a good job. Like, he's creep. He's just creepy enough. He does a great job as a scarecrow. <clears throat> yeah, cast-wise, I really did pretty good with that first one. You know, in the comics, I, I don't, I'm don't. i not as up-to-date on Batman for years. I haven't been. I, I read Robin for a long time, so, like, Tim Drake Robin shit, but, like, Lucius Fox, was he really that big of a character in the fucking books? Oh, not at all, no. He didn't exist in the books till after this happened. He wasn't well, a no, thing No, he at all. existed. No. Yeah, he did. If he did, it wasn't. A, it was like a footnote in a book someplace. It didn't matter. He wasn't a dude building Batman gear, because Batman was smart in the books, or is smart <clears throat> in the books. No, yeah, he does. Like, Al- movies Alfred actually helps him build most of the shit in the books. Fixing book. things, but not, not the same way. Like, in the comic books... Batman does almost all the Batman all builds, shit. Yeah. like, all of his I know, attacks. I'm just saying, but Lucius Fox as a character exists in the comics, but not in that way. Well, you'd have to figure out the first date he showed up in a book. I don't remember him being matter in, mattering in the books till after this happened. And even then, he doesn't show up in the books hardly ever. We do get a fair amount of his son David now, which is fine, I guess. But as a thing, like, up until this movie... His importance in the comic book world was not nearly what it is now, and even now, like nineteen seventy nine, Batman three hundred seven. There you go. But nevertheless, it doesn't change the fact that it wasn't. He was not an important part of the grand scheme of things until after this movie happened. So that put him on the on the board as a playable piece, and even now they still don't use him very often. But he's a namesake that helps run the company and. Keeps Bruce from having to do it himself. So he has his place, but in the comics, he's not nearly as important as he's in the movies. The movie they make in Batman's brain, and that's not how it works in the comics. Right. Anyway, I'm just curious about that. Um, one cool thing was in the beginning where Christian Bale and Liam Neeson are fighting on the frozen lake, you can hear it cracking, and I thought that was just like a sound effect. But I guess that was real, and the next day the lake was completely melted. Oh, that's, that's crazy. crazy fuck. Yeah. yeah. So, like, those sounds are, like, real, like, really happening as they're filming that shit. Man. <clears throat> that's pretty good. That's creepy as fuck. Right. Um, this movie inspired James Bond producers to reboot James Bond, which is... The Batman movies did? This first one. Huh. Which is funny because Chris Nolan's a huge Bond fan. And there's Crazy. like there's petitions online for like Chris Nolan to make a Bond movie. It inspired James Bond producers to reboot that film franchise. Which is cool because Chris Nolan's a huge Bond fan. That's cool. And 
I don't know, is it really considered a reboot, or was it just continue, continued Bond films? Because all the films just lead to each other. It says it's a reboot. Huh. Well, each... Every time they change Bonds, they're just different, like, stories. So yeah. it's just like... But when they brought in Daniel Craig, it was like they did, like, a year one... So they made him a different... Like, so he, like I like, always thought when they so switched it, characters... In that first one, you know when, like... It's been explained to me in, like... A podcast I listened to that were like a film podcast I was listening to about like and I never noticed it then I rewatched it because I wasn't curious but in a um, Casino Royale he he's 007 most of the movie like but he's not he never actually calls himself James Bond until a certain point he's like finally says it like he finally kills his first person and like becomes James Bond like really becomes who that person that actor is so it's like I always thought it was a that it was a moniker like Tyler dies and you're the next guy in line you're the next James Bond. No, because the new one, the newest movie coming out, there's going to be a female 007. But that he, I would think would be a reboot. No, but no, but but Daniel Craig is still going to be James Bond. He's just not 007. He's not the Asian 007 anymore. James Bond is who he is. So the name of the character, he's become the character. That's okay. That's weird. Oh wait, so he's not. And the next movie, supposedly, he won't be 007. Huh. Yeah. That's intriguing. We'll, we'll see how good that goes. Yeah. Weird. Um, also, Batman Begins is my favorite, one of my favorite film scores ever, which is done by Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard, which is cool because there's not many like tag team film scores out there other than those two. Sure. Um... Does he use the same? Does he use the same for most of his movies? Yeah, so he started with following Memento and Insomnia. It was all David Julian, which is like it was his go-to guy until he got to Batman Begins, and then it was you know Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard for I think the first two, but then Dark Knight Rises was just Hans Zimmer, and then it was just. Hans Zimmer all the way through the rest of the movies, but then this new one he's doing, he's using, what's his name, Ludwig, I don't know how to say it, the guy that did the Black Panther soundtrack, mm-hmm. but he's also the guy that did that is doing the Mandalorian music, which I really like, so, but yeah, that, Batman Begins film score, all the tracks have really weird names. And they're all different species of bats. <laughs> That's crazy. Which is cool. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't know that. Oh, last cool thing I'm going to say about this movie, and probably probably the three of them, or at least the first two, is there's no visual effects to show the bat cave. It's a massive full-scale set they built. Oh, that's Damn. crazy. Which is dope. But that's kind of his thing. That's why I like Nolan, too, is he's like... He's kind of in that world with J.J. Abrams. Like, any time they can build something and just make it look real, yeah. like, that's their whole thing. That's cool. So the Prestige? <clears throat> prestige is next, which is crazy because it's only a year after Batman Begins. And it's a pretty intense movie as well. Like it's Wolverine versus Batman, right? <laughs> good stuff. I do like the Prestige a lot, actually. It is good. Yeah. I think it's probably 
You show you a magic trick. Prestige. It's good. I think it's... I don't want to say it's his least well-known, but maybe... It, I think a lot of people don't realize he made that movie. Yeah, it makes sense. It came out the same time as... Uh, there was another magic movie that came out the, the same. Illusion. There was two of them. Yeah. I think there was three in one year. It's possible. There's two of them that came out right next to each other, though. Ed Norton did The Illusionist. Yes, it was The Illusionist. And then these guys did... Um, did The Prestige. Yeah, and... Cause I remember the trailers were like running almost in the same like time frame, and I'm like, "This is weird." That shit happens. I think there's like spies within movie movie studios. Oh, like, sure. Oh, they're doing a magic movie, so we gotta get a, we gotta fucking jump on that. It's just like, oh, oh my yeah. god. I don't. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. Actually, I mean, I think the other guys in Cop Out of the same movie, just different people. Yeah, that's very pretty simple. much. I mean, they yeah. buddy cop movies are basically just another forty eight like forty eight hours movie. I mean, kind of a little more. Sh- Cheesy shenanigans, but yeah. I could say they're the same script, just twisted. <coughs> or same pitch. Probably the same pitch. And then screenwriters are hired to write a movie, and they're like, here we go. Anyway, yeah, go on. A uh, cool tidbit about that one is David Bowie initially declined the role of Nikola Tesla. And Chris Nolan flew out to him personally to tell him he was the only person he imagined for the role, and that his larger life. Larger-than-life persona would make the idea of Tesla building a teleportation device believable. And then David Bowie changed his mind. That's cool. I think it fit pretty well, casting-wise. Which is too bad. Like, people are lobbying for Chris Nolan to make a just a movie about Tesla now. Oh. But it's like, yeah, you can't really do that without Bowie. Yeah, I mean, that movie you just gave me, Tesla's in it, like, and that one kid plays him. Um like the Tesla shit's like. The, oh, I haven't watched that yet. The, the Edison Tesla Wars, like, I mean, there's there's some really cool shit, like about like. I'm surprised nobody's made just like a full on movie about Tesla yet. Right. And I, I I honestly couldn't see. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who else could make a movie of that, like, of, about something like that. Besides, I mean, I think Nolan director-wise, I mean, yeah, it's just it's he, he's an inter- he's such an interesting character. You got to really like, you have to really invest in that shit because mm-hmm. he's he's too special of an individual, and you like it could be fucked up really easy. Oh, I'm easily wasted. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, it'd be it'd be a harder thing to do. I mean, dude, he they go crazy then. So I guess it depends on how far. Hey, you Hey, fucking go married a pigeon. I mean, it, yeah, it's no, he, not. He literally married. A, anyway, yeah. I this movie was Death Ray threatened the U.S. Hugh Jackman like cloning himself over and over again, basically, and freaking killing awesome. himself. Like I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, this some pre- fucked up shit. It's pretty warped. It is. It's twisted. Because then the whole time Christian Bale just has a twin. Ah, and like simplest of tricks, which I guess was common. That was the other piece of information I took down about it is. The use of twins in a transported man magic show was back in those times really common. Huh. Makes sense. Like, how many fucking twins could there have been? But I guess. <laughs> there was a lot until the Holocaust came around and, like, <laughs> what's fucking Joseph Mangala, like, started, like, pulling them off trains and fucking tested them and murdered, like, 10,000 of them. So. <laughs> I don't think that's the only. <laughs> I mean, it, just the transporting man acts aren't a thing now, so. <laughs> I, was talk, I was just talking about twins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. 
So you don't know how many people have twins. You can't wait till that triplets movie comes out. I don't know what that is. Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, oh, with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. You know, just because the cast, I think that's funny. You know, my it's, idea. Yeah, um, your idea is better. My idea is better. A reboot of Twins with Kevin Hart and Shaq. Yeah, we wouldn't get that though. We get Kevin Hart and The Rock. Same idea. I like. I like that idea. Yeah. But I think the Shaq, like when they did that roast, and like Kevin Hart was the roast uh, master, yeah, and I didn't then like, see that. and Shaq was one of the guys doing the like, the, their interaction was fucking hilarious. It's just like Shaq mm. basically basketball palming Kevin Hart's head and like picking him up, <laughs> and like he's so much small. Shaq is so fucking big, like yeah, that's that's true. You don't realize how fucking big he is until you see him next to like The Rock. You know, yeah, it's like Andre the Giant next to fucking like Kareem Abdul Jabbar. You're like, God damn, the dude was even that picture of like Arnold, Kareem, and uh, or, or was oh, it? who's the other guy? And uh, and yeah, they were lifting <clears throat> Arnold up. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Just like, and yeah, maybe that's why he's doing all those general commercials for the insurance company so he can get his acting chops up. <laughs> no, just me. Okay. Yeah, I love it. I saw this movie at the Avalon, and uh, the uh, twins. No, the Avalon downtown. You, the movie Twins? No, fucking The Prestige. Oh, okay. Sorry. And it was, they used to do movies on Sundays. They would get random movies in. And this this wasn't a wide release. So, like, right. the only place it showed was at the Avalon. And we went there. And you could, you could like, get beers. And so we just, like, and we sat up at the balcony because it was, like, the best place to sit. And it was, like, that, that theater was cold as fuck. But, like, at the balcony, the heater was up there. So that was the warm place to sit. So we would sit there and you put your feet up on the edge. And it was, it was the old, I haven't been there since they've remodeled it, but like in the old, it was amazing. It just had this amazing feel in the old days. It was a different type feel for the theater. Yeah. From what you get now, it still has the balcony, but it's not the same thing. It's, it's different in the way that, the way things box and the way they have their screen mounted. They, they lost footage and that makes the screen sit weird. If you know the difference, if you don't know the difference, then you don't know the difference. So cool. there you go. Dark Knight. Yeah. First comic book movie to hit a billion. Nice. Yeah. It's crazy. And you're still dealing with the same director, so that helps as far as a thing. But yeah, it's more a matter of uh, just a ledger in general. Yeah, that was a crazy performance. I was watching it. God, was it yesterday? I was watching it yesterday. He's so good in that, but it's like you can't even tell it's Heath Ledger. Oh yeah, it's it's bizarre. Like I, so when I first watched that movie, it was in San, it was in San Diego. No, actually it wasn't. It was outside San Diego, Chula Vista, maybe. Anyway, it was out in California for the Comic Con, and we wound up going to a theater next to our hotel, and it, it was the weirdest thing because when he shows up on screen, it's like you're not even seeing the same dude. So crazy, just like it was. It was almost. It was just, it was really, I don't know, shaking almost. Because, like, up to that point, the dude had been a whole handful of movies. I mean, it's a face you knew. You knew how the dude acted, how the dude moved. Like, you know him if you watch anything that he's been in, you know the dude. And, like, this guy shows up and it's a totally different ball of nuts. I said that a couple times tonight. I'm going to stop saying that. Ball of nuts? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was crazy. I just, when I left that theater, I thought, holy crap, it's like that dude turned into a different dude. What the hell? Anyway, it was good. It, I feel like that his his portrayal of the Joker, 
um, is the perfect reason why I think the new Joker movie doesn't make any sense. Because this Joker is pure insanity, pure evil, just, 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 there's no explanation. It's just like every story he tells, just like in the comics, the Joker just like keeps telling stories, keeps telling stories of like how, what happened to him and this and that. And like you never know. He lies to like, like Harley Quinn. He lies to Harley Quinn. Like oh, yeah. when she was just his, his psych and like, he's just, he doesn't give a fuck about money. He doesn't give a fuck about anything. Well, and he, you can tell he's smart and deliberate in what he does. And he, yeah, he's, and he's a fucking genius. Yeah. Like, he really is. And like, Doesn't he burn like $700 million in this movie. Yeah, he just loses yeah. a big ass like pile that. of cash yeah, and just sets it on fire. <laughs> and that fucking nurse shit at the end is so hilarious. Like, so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. He's so good. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my. I didn't write this down, but I remember reading about it when I was looking at all the trivia. Um, about the explosion? <clears throat> um, when Heath Ledger was a kid, his older sister dressed him up as a nurse or some shit to make fun of him. Something like that. And that's where the idea came from? Huh. I don't know. <laughs> so so the, the character's based off of Tom Waits and, like, his sister dressed him as a nurse as a kid? Yeah, well, I read that in, I think, the Tom Waits thing makes more sense, but I read it was based on, uh, partially on Alex from A Clockwork Orange and something else. But if you watch old Tom Waits interviews and shit, like in the seventies, it's like, it's totally the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, that makes more sense. Let's see. There was one really cool thing I took down about this. Oh, in the music, in the score for this one, uh, Hans Zimmer used bizarre methods when developing the score, particularly with scenes with the Joker, which would involve playing piano wires with razor blades and guitar with shards of metal. Which, if you listen to it, like, I always knew there was something weird about it. Like, it just seems so gritty and grimy and just feel makes you feel kind of uneasy like but yeah i guess that that's why that makes sense that's freaking crazy you think to take glass and do that that's nuts yeah that's cool that's crazy did you get the the two like films of the director that joker sends to like the network in the like heath led that he directed yeah Yeah, heath led directed both those i read that Chris Nolan kind of backed him up on the first one, but, he did but then he did such a good job, he just let it fucking go and let him do right. his own thing on the second one. So, so the videos, the inside the videos he did? Yeah. That's crazy, okay. But it also makes you think, like, oh, like, if he wouldn't have fucking died, what would he be doing right now? Maybe he'd be fucking directing movies. Pretty easily, You yeah. know, like, I liked him as an actor, but sometimes it takes an actor to be an even better director. Like, like look at Ben Affleck don't love him as an actor. I don't dislike him. Depends on the role. But when he directs movies, they're fucking incredible. That's what you get when you do fucking drugs with the fucking Olsen twin, man. Like, you just lose your fucking mind. (laughs) Same with Mel Gibson. Man. I don't mind him as an actor. He's pretty good. Mel Gibson did drugs with an Olsen twin? Well, maybe. Probably. But and that's why he thinks he's Jesus? But then as a director, it's like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Just don't act anymore. Just direct movies. 
He's so good as an actor, though. That's what they need to reboot is a do another lethal weapon movie. There's a TV series. That's what you get. Get for this shit. Like, that's fucking... There's a TV series. That's what you get. My assumption would be it's a matter of time. There's at least two seasons of that TV show, isn't there? No, I want, to, I want like a new... with. No, I hear what you're saying. Danny you're Glover saying and Gibson. Not, oh, you mean you want? You don't want a reboot. You want another movie. Yeah. Ah, I like that better. Yeah. That would be pretty... That'd be good. Well, they did four, right? Yeah. So yeah. you got to finish it with a fifth. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I'm, there's what's not one, a reason not to. What's one with Jet Li? That was that's three. four, isn't no. it? Isn't it three? It's four, I think it's the, the last one they made. Uh, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah. yeah three introduces uh, Leo gets into the situation. So we get... Uh, God, what's that guy's name? Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. And then yeah. Chris Rock four and Jet Li are in the fourth yeah, one. that's right. It's right. four. Yeah. Four Jet Li and... Yeah. Jet's Jet Li just fucking people up. So We're getting another awesome bad boys. Movie. We deserve another fucking. I mean, yeah, that's lethal good. weapon. That's Come on, point. man. Bring Rene Russo back too. I mean, someone's gotta be there to take care of the kid. Show him them hot titties. Mm. <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay. That stab a bum for some Rene Russo titties. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I like how I, I go with the sexist thing, and then you go right to this tavern or strip. Good job. Maybe I just want to stab a bum. I mean, uh, okay. Also seems like something not that you shouldn't say in a recording. Nah, whatever. Okay. I'd, I mean, I, does, it depends on what I'm stabbing him with. You know, I could be stabbing with like a straw from McDonald's. <laughs> or one of those paper straws because I'm trying to be environmentally friendly. And he's just like, why are you hitting me with like wet paper? Those are gross. <laughs> yeah. Your yeah. life's, life's going to be over once those go like nationwide and they, for everybody. Yeah, that'll be fine. More stuff thrown away, it'll be fine. There'll be companies selling you plastic straws to buy. Yeah, you're gonna be like, I should buy. be the first one on the boat doing that. You're gonna actually. buy, be buying plastic straws off the fucking night, off awesome. eBay, off the back of trucks. Yeah, <laughs> I get you some straws right now, and you can just sit on them. See, there you go. Bam, done. I need a double tall one. So. <laughs> I, tall. I don't know if I have those, so you might be out of luck with uh, me. It's uh. all right. I can take a bendy straw and insert one of the other ones and use a little tape. MacGyver it. It'll be fine. Not to get too off topic, but since we're talking about straws, like my my inventory in Shamrock orders for straws has been cut in like into a third of what we used to have. Wow. Because of all the shit about. Plastic straws and this and that. One fucking video of a fucking sea turtle with a straw in its face and everybody's like, oh my god, they're the worst thing on the planet. Like, what about the fucking water bottle that you just fucking drank out of, you fucking asshole? There used to be like 150 different options for buying straws and now there's like, there's like under 50 now. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And of the under 50, I would say a third of those are paper and then... A third are plastic, and then a third are really expensive, like made out of corn. That seems like it's like feels like plastic, but it's corn, and it's like triple the price of anything. Oh my god! So it's like there's nothing. There's like nothing that's a plastic straw hardly right now. That's crazy. Is that Will Will Fuller the fifth playing tonight? I have no idea. God damn it. He's been hurt, and I fucking just, like, I benched him, and he's probably got, like, a million fucking points in fantasy tonight. Fuck that DeAndre Hopkins twin-looking motherfucker. God damn it. There you go. Can't win them all, broski. 
Yeah. I've only won like five. Yeah, I've only won four. So CBS yeah. <laughs> only won three. I so. think I'm at three. So we're the three worst in the league. There you go. Fucking figures. And you have fucking Lamar Jackson, which is weird that you're like you're so bad, but you have the best fantasy player in all of because everybody else is bad. I have the second Christian McCaffrey, but and there you go. So we killed one team and merged them together. <sighs> We probably lose one of those guys in the process. So, so. Oscar wise, actors in his movies, is this the only one that has Oscar winners in it? Yes. I know the sound editing in Dunkirk won, didn't it? Yeah. Did, yeah. But this was, and I wonder how this stat stands up now compared to the Marvel movies, but this apparently for comic book movies has the most Academy Award nominations, which is eight, but I feel like. Do any of the so we get to the next batch of movies? I don't think other than Black, Pan- Black Panther, but it only got Black three, Panther. I think, because uh, yeah. they were sound editing. I think you know I want to say costumes they were nominated for too, and I feel like at least one of the actors was nominated. Film score was, yeah, film score, costumes, I think editing. And I feel like there's one other one, but that's still just four. Oh, and picture because it, didn't it win best picture? No, it was nominated. It for was best nominated, picture. so there's at least five it had. Whether that one about the whether the one about the editing is right or not, I don't remember. But yeah, as a thing, it had a handful of them. But I don't think it had eight. I guess we'll see what happens with Avengers. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with Endgame. I feel like eight's pretty. It's pretty good. Feasible for yeah. Endgame. Considering yeah, considering all the different options in there, I mean, this has got to get a best picture yeah, nomination, right? Like it has to. It, it has doesn't to. get it doesn't get a nomination. It's gonna be weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Okay, so what's after the returns? <clears throat> all right, so after Dark Knight is Inception, which I'm obsessed with. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. How do you guys feel about Inception? Such an all-star cast. Um, such a unique idea. I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like he's like a man crush. I think that I think he's. I mean, he, he's only like a smaller. He's like a secondary role in this to Leo. Obviously, he's kind of like his second in charge. But I think he's fucking great. And I'm glad he got the role because it was going to James Franco at first, and then James Franco couldn't do it. I think Franco would have done good too. Oh, I mean, no, I, I I love me some Franco, but like I just love Joseph Gordon-Levitt and everything that he does. Between the two, I think choice-wise for the style role, this is. I think if it's. Levitt's better than it would Franco. Franco's a little more up in your face with stuff. This is a little more subdued type part. Like, I'm surprised that like, the new Batman role hasn't gone to him. Like, he seems like somebody uh, who would lead Batman to me. He's too... He's too... No, Franco? No. Joseph oh, Levitt. Yeah, that's, that's not gonna happen. He, but he has that, he has that, like, that darkness and that, like, that calm... I can see demeanor-wise, but yeah. the dude's not... And he's, he's got the chin. part. I don't know. I'm surprised that it, it it didn't, but well, especially with the way the third one ended. That's why it like, happened. Third one yeah. ends in a way. That, when we get the third movie, I'll say something about that. We'll see what time it is. Yeah, you're you're gonna be you're super angry about that still. Roll on, yeah. But uh, Cillian Murphy comes back in that role. I thought it was cool. I would say this is in my top five film scores of all time. But also another thing about that is. Johnny Marr from the Smiths played a lot of the guitar for that film score. That's cool. 
So at the end of it, do you th- like? I feel like when I went and saw it, like I sat through the like the credits, and you can hear the the ring spinning. And I feel like I hear the ring like stop spinning, but I, so everybody tells me that I'm crazy that that doesn't actually happen. So I could have swore that I heard that that, that I heard it. Is it and I don't remember that. They make it go either way. Like I think it. I think it's ma- I think they make the sound kind of seem like it's toppling over just to fuck with people, but so I have a note about that and Chris Nolan said that he believes Cobb makes it home to his children, although it's open to interpretation by the viewer. He further claimed that the point of not seeing whether or not the top stops spinning is that Cobb no longer obsesses over his dreams. Not counting flashbacks. <clears throat> oh, never mind. That's a different note. But yeah, so like, he just left it open for interpretation. Um, the other part of that is that that spinning top, the whole movie, like they make it seem like that's his totem, but it's not. It was his wife's totem that's dead. His was his wedding ring. Right. That's what I mean. That I. And I- I knew that, and that's why, like, when you hear the ring kind of at the end, he's not he's not dreaming anymore. Right. That's but then I, they also don't show, like, they very, um, like they very purposely like don't show whether he has his wedding ring on at that part. Oh. Uh, well, actually, several times throughout the movie, so that you just don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's kind of up to you. Like, I think. I'd like to think that he was not in a dream, but who knows? Happy ending, happy ending, yes. Yeah. I just like the whole, I feel like that nailed how dreams are so well. You know, like the timeline, how like five minutes is an hour and like if you die, you wake up. Like it just seems so accurate. Sure. But he spent 10 years writing that shit. Really? Mm-hmm. I had no idea about that. Yeah, like, he wanted to make it before Batman became a thing. Huh. But That's Batman... Crazy. ...led up to him getting funding for that movie, so. Sure. Yeah, and, like, the like the faceless men, like, like, just the people in your dreams that are faceless, like, they say that, like, if... It, I dream a lot, so... I question this because there's I see faces in my dreams of people that I have no fucking idea who they are, and they say that like you won't dream about a face unless you've actually seen them in real life. And I'm like, I don't know if that's fucking real because I've I've I have dreams of people like there's no fucking clue who they are, and they like they I don't and they're like clear as day to me in my dreams. So I don't know, but like just delving into that that universe, that craziness, that what what dreams are, and like that what our brains are capable of doing is. The fact that he tackled that is pretty cool. Sure. The narrative of this movie jumps between dream layers and or the story timeline a total of 223 times. Holy crap. Whoa. <laughs> that was another thing. It's a, a movie inside a movie inside a movie inside a movie, man. Yep. yep. So, yeah. And uh, let's see what else. The only Best Picture Oscar nominee that year to also be nominated for Best Visual Effects. Oh, that's cool. 
I do really like like the practical effects thing too, though. Because do you remember the scene with Joseph Gordon-Levitt where the hallway is spinning? Oh yeah, that was all real. They, the, they the, the built box, make it turn. Yeah, and there's a cool video. There's a cool like video about that. I, I don't know if it's on YouTube. I've watched it on the special features of the Blu-ray several times, but how they did that, it's crazy. Well, I think it's whenever you can build a, a, a purposeful, like, moving room like that. There's some movies, have, there's other movies that have done that same thing, but they did a really good job of it. Yeah. Oh, I got a cool... We don't talk about piracy very often, but this was the third most pirated film of 2010, with 9.72 million downloads. Jesus. After Avatar at 16.58 million, and Kick-Ass at 11.4 million. That's crazy. Think about how many, that's so many downloads. Jeez. Like, when I'm downloading a movie, I don't think there's, like, 9 million other people doing that. Sure. To be fair, I, you know, there might be some movies that lose my money because I'm like, huh, that's not worth buying. But if it's worth buying, I buy it. Sure. But I also steal it, so. Gents. Get my episode 50 pick. Yeah, anything else about Inception? Let's hit Dark Knight Rises before CBS has got to skedaddle to the porn theater. All right. Dark Knight Rises. How cool would it be if there was an actual porn theater like the old days? Oh, they don't have those anymore. It'd be think. dirty. So I don't know if this is true, but I guess this is the only Batman movie where James Gordon learns the true identity of Batman. Is that true? For movies? For movies. Uh, as far as like a pronounced thing, maybe. I feel like one of the animated movies... <sighs> The thing with with Gordon in general is that if he wanted to know, he would know. It's more a matter of uh, letting the suspension of disbelief be for himself. And like in the comic book, even in the comic books, there's a point where at one point he's got Batgirl, the daughter, um, and she tells him if she wants to know who it is, that she'll pull off the mask. And it, he actually turns around and is like, if I wanted to know, don't you think I'd already know who people were? And he leaves, like straight up walks out. I think, and she's, right. I think it's a matter of respect. Yeah. He like he knows that Batman does things that like he can't necessarily do and he appreciates that. Right. As far as like movies are concerned, I don't feel like any of the other movies we go that far with Commissioner Gordon. Not really. Even when they did the when they did the uh, animated year one. Uh Batman Year One, it's not really a Batman story, it's a Jim Gordon story. Right. And even in that, like I remember watching that with you and thinking the same thing. Yeah. The book is that way too. It's not it's not really a Batman book. It's a Jim Gordon book. So as far as like anything ironing out where he like says it, I'm gonna say probably true because I don't think there's anything else he's ever actually called him by name that way. And even that in this movie is weird. So I don't know. It's just bizarre. The fucking Tom Hardy Bane shit though is like. Are you talking about his voice and the just it's so it? it's so funny because people have, like made fun of it for so long, but it's like. It's, it's like when you watch it, it's well done. Like, like people made for like, oh, well, the, the first, right. the first trailers were really bad. And the, after the first batch of trailers, things got cleaned up and they probably weren't even ready to be shown as a trailer, but 
when you get to the actual film, it all sounds fine. But it has been parodied pretty good. I mean, if you go on YouTube and look at Bane Cat, hilarious. <laughs> so funny. Oh my god. So funny. But yeah, as a thing, I don't, I don't think, th- I think those first batch of trailers were just not ready audio wise for that. And they just ran with them anyway, cause sometimes you do. That's why we got a whole new Sonic the Hedgehog. Yay. <laughs> this is the most hated on Nolan movie. It's understandable. There's a lot of problems. I get it's not as good as the other two, but it's like, it's not that bad. I don't know, you straight up have fight sequences where dudes are just falling down. It's bad. Action sequence wise, there's so many group action shots. And I, you can't catch all of them as a single director. That's why you have other people to work on the set with you. But there's straight up scenes where dudes take themselves out that aren't even close to what's happening. It's, it, it's a full on, like, on screen. It's not like, they were kind of on the corner. It's like the dude right in the middle, there's a punch that sort of happens. He's like, oh, and then he falls down. It's pretty, yeah, it doesn't just happen once. There's a whole handful of them. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think they had second unit directors on a lot of his movies. Yeah, so. Yeah, even if there's not, there's got to be somebody in the process. It's like, hey, problem. Yeah. That's their job. Yeah. So, I did like the, uh, I was able to get a Heinz Ward action figure because I, I loathe the Pittsburgh Steelers, but yet I could get the Gotham Knights freaking awesome, figure man. of him. Yep. And it's the same figure, but not in a Steelers uniform and I could uh, display right. it. Yeah. I did, I did think that was pretty cool. Yeah. So that was pretty rad. That scene was pretty fucked up too. Like it was, that was a pretty cool scene. The whole football stadium scene? Right. Oh yeah. I mean, we used, it's crazy because we used the Pittsburgh Steelers as the team. Just Gotham Knights instead. Right. Yeah. So, like, there's a whole bunch of face players on the sidelines and in those shots. And I just, I think that my biggest issue with this movie, like, there's whatever issue-wise, whatever, but I don't like Anne Hathaway. Like, Oh, why not? I don't know. She just, there's something about her. Like, I don't, I just, not a fan. I like her better than the other two that were up for the role. Who are the other two? Chloe Moretz. Uh, it's a little young, isn't it? Who's, uh, what's her name from Kick-Ass? Hit Girl. Hit yeah. Girl. She looked a little bit young and for that. And Jennifer she... Lawrence. Uh, I like Jennifer Lawrence better than I like Anna Hathaway. Yeah, neither one of them screamed Catwoman, though. I mean... Did Michelle Pfeiffer, though? I mean... Until she did it? Did amazingly. Halle Berry until she did it? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why we don't talk about that movie. It's the same reason we have problems with the next one. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, we do I not like, speak that name in this in this room. I like me some Eartha Kid just like everybody else, but come on now. Uh, rough. I don't know. I don't I don't mind her in this part. The pieces I mind about is how un-Batman-like the entire movie is. Uh because he's just trapped in a fucking dungeon the whole time? No, not even that. Because he doesn't do things that... I retired for eight years because, you know, my knee hurts. Uh, okay, not a thing that would really happen. Oh, and Bruce Wayne's also been a recluse for, I don't know, eight years, and no one notices that for this real real superhero movie. Oh, it's so real, everybody. But it's not, because that's stupid. And then, like, he gets a break-in by a lady who stills personal identification information, like code numbers, things that that you would freak the hell out about as a regular person, and he's like, oh, it's fine. Maybe I'll go have a dance with her later. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. Stupidest stuff ever. Like, oh my god. I get her getting away. Sure, you haven't done anything for a while, Bruce, you're old. You can't catch her, because, you know, she's spry. 
and jumped out a window. Okay. But then, like, he doesn't chase, doesn't go after her literally at all. Uh, come on now. Really? He's a hip replacement. Come on. Oh my god, it's a knee, but whatever. You got a robot knee by in the movie, that's fine. You're the richest man in the world. Get a robot knee and knock it off. For <sighs> stem cells. I mean, that would be my choice. Come on, man. Eat some babies. Get some stem cells. <laughs> that's not how stem cells work for it, but okay. How do you guys sure? feel about the ending of this movie? Not the, let's, before we get to Joseph Gordon Levitt, like, where Alfred is in Paris or wherever the fuck and he sees Bruce Wayne and you mean, is Selena Kyle. Like, is, is that real or is that not? Open for interpretation. Yeah, it is. It's the same as Inception ending, yeah, I guess. It's pretty like much. Whatever you want it to be. But yeah. it's like, do you think, like, him flying the fucking... Him finally finding happiness? Yeah. Um, unlikely. I mean, yes, but in the same role of doing what he was doing already. Him fixing the bat, the bat plane thing that Lucius Fox couldn't fix, and even though he's done nothing in the other movies to show he has any kind of intelligence at all, manages to fix and fly out there? Sure. Batman's supposed to be a smart guy. So, even if it's off-screen, I guess that's fine. So I can buy that, sure. I will say this. Selena Kyle... Dumb Batman at the altar in the comic books. I mean, kind of. It's more of a setup that causes both of them not to be there. It's not an altar walkaway thing, and neither one showed up in the right place because of something else that happened. Even that's not been entirely answered. But does it make it? Is it okay for me to think that she's a dumb whore because she breaks his heart? I mean, the same way you feel about any friend of yours who's had his heart broken. Sure. Yeah, that's how I feel about Batman. Fuck Selena Kyle. She's a dumb whore. <laughs> oh my god. Who breaks Batman's heart? I mean. Mostly, mostly Joe Chill, but that doesn't matter. Anyway, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> I do like, I'm going to jump ahead because I, I liked the shout out to Robin with the Joseph Gordon-Levitt thing. I know that it was kind of like, see, I was like, fucking stupid. Oh, his name's on our, oh, like, whatever. I just, they're giving it a little bit of a shout out saying, hey, I know we didn't put Robin in three of these movies, but like, I'll give it a little shout out just for the fucking, just, just to say, hey. Well, That's why I liked it. As far as a shout or something, I mean, I can live with that. The thing that my problem is that I think Nolan was so afraid that he was going to get Schumachered that he left the movie in a way that you can never sequel it. You can never see, never make an actual sequel from this movie. And that's fine. I get it. You know, you didn't want to have the thing happen with Tim Burton and Joe Schumacher. So, you know, you leave it in a way that you can't ever do anything to recover from it. Because every thread you leave is a possible idea for people. It's stuff that doesn't make any sense and could never work as a Batman movie. So, namesake, okay, whatever. But, like, the whole character of Robin, he figures out Batman's Batman because when he was a kid, he saw his face and he thought he was a liar and he's a liar and you're a liar, so you're Batman. The, uh, what? Not the year thing? Because that's what everybody else looked at. Not Jim Gordon's weird connection to things? Nope. Oh yeah, I saw your face when you were when I was a kid. You were a liar, and I'm a liar, and you're Batman. <laughs> Dumbest crap ever. Oh my god! And like the whole oh, he found the Batcave at the end though, because he left him, left the trail of breadcrumbs to get there, and he also left the Batcave to an orphanage for kids. So that doesn't really work. He also left it in a way that none of the technology theoretically was still there. 
So everything you left as breadcrumbs at the end is just, like, to make Gordon Lovitz feel better about knowing the truth, I guess? But that doesn't ever move forward. It's just, it, the, you left it in a way you can never sequel it. So CBS yes is the majority of the most hated Nolan movie. Because, like, this is, like, as it just keeps going and going, CBS is, like... I can add more things to it. I, I mean, know you can. Like, I guess, just, like, you just, that's you, just some of it. The other two are fine and, and work just great. Which, in CBS language, fine means they're really good. You know what I think we they're should fine. do sometime? Is I think we should do an entire episode just about Batman. And we can cover everything. We can do that. It seems like a lot of... Okay. Because we all know fucking Keaton's the best Batman. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. He is, though. He's literally, like, the best actor to play Batman. Like, he does the best job playing Batman. I do like him just fine, but... I don't know. If, uh, we'll see. Now we just know. need a fucking Starship Troopers where Michael Keaton shows up. You know what's funny is I watched. I was watching a Christmas movie the other day on the Hallmark Channel. Surprisingly enough, and you know who was in it? Johnny Rico. He was the Grinch guy. He was awesome. <clears throat> yeah, he's not like a. He's not a. <laughs> he's not that good of an actor. He's terrible. But in that movie, he's great. Yeah. No, I, I I just remember every time I saw him, I'm like, he's Johnny Rico in every movie. Look and, at that hard jaw. And you know, so angry. You know, like when they do that, like that futuristic football thing, and the girl's the quarterback. Oh yeah, everybody knows that. Like girls don't play quarterback. Um, I don't know what that has to do with <laughs> literally anything at all, and I'm not going to say they can't or. Shouldn't. Well, we're 50 episodes in, and one of our first reviews ever was like, "You guys are borderline racist, sexist, homophobic, and something else." So I'm trying to get them all in tonight. Oh my god! So we all know girls can't throw a ball. That's Unless it's underhand and it's called not, softball. It's not true at all. The ball's soft because the girls, so the girls are soft. Throwing 100 miles an hour, it's faster than you to throw anything. <laughs> but it's still I'm soft. I'm scared of those girls Hell that yeah. throw those softballs. Are you I'm kidding? scared of that. Man. That's yeah. terrifying. It's fan- yeah. yeah. I'm more scared. Imagine of- getting hit in the fucking nose with one of those. Like, I'm more scared of Roger Clemens fucking throwing a fastball with a fucking hard actual baseball like a man in my face. Now all that happens is his shoulder blow out and the old man have to take him to the emergency room. It's called the fucking rocket for a reason. <laughs> Jeez. It's Ken uh, Griffey Jr.'s birthday today, by the way. Oh, well, there you go. Is that? No, no. <clears throat> KG. Sure. KG Jr. Alrighty, so there's only two left. CBS, well, you gotta go. See, si, senor. All right, you gotta give the crowd a, a nice goodbye. I don't know. Or you I, could do the Irish goodbye and just leave. I mean, that's not how. <laughs> love you, CBS. We love you. I'm off to something. Around. This is like you're you're on the opposite side of the table from Tyler and me. And so, like, this is one of the situations that, like, when the one, fr- three friends are having dinner at a table and two friends are left, but two friends are just going to stay on the same side of the table. Because I'm just going to stay on the same side because this is my microphone. Yeah, I'm not moving. So Ty- I just bought this mic. Why so Tyler and me are just going to be, like, on the same side of the table by ourselves talking, staring. <laughs> I love it. I mean, try not to look directly at each other because then the microphone won't pick anything up. So, well, I could be like this. Be yeah, like this. I don't know. This mounts, I don't necessarily like. That's creepy. Knock it off. All right, CBS, love you. Fifty episodes deep. Deep in. Deep, deep as deep can go. Thanks to the knee breaker. I'm like one digit deep. Like pinky digit, you know, like the first bend.
that's all I got. So. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye, Dater. Sayonara. En- enjoyed Black Cock Down. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Poon. So not what I'm watching, but okay. Okay. Pretty much. Tell Elizabeth Banks I said hello. I want to put my tongue in her digit. Alright, so on to... Interstellar. Interstellar. Supposedly one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time. I really hate that movie. <laughs> CBS hates it. He hates that movie, but he's not here anymore, so it doesn't matter. <clears throat> but Jessica Chastain's in it, and I think she's gorgeous. So, Well, I think, you know, I, I, even though you're saying that now, did you read that somewhere? Yeah. That, like, scientifically, the, okay. w- the way that, like, black holes work, it, suppose, like, the, I mean, it's nobody like, really knows, but, like... As far as like physicists and things look at the grand scheme of things, black holes and wormholes, like it seems close to accurate. This is how they think things work. This is the closest to actual science fiction. So, which is cool. It's well, super Kip fucking- Thorne was like apparently really involved in most aspects of this movie and a pro- executive producer of it too. So, <clears throat> I mean. Visually, it's fucking crazy. I really like the way that the wormhole and the black hole look. Yeah, I mean, I think I love McConaughey. I think that, to me, he was the weakest part of this movie. I think they could have gotten somebody better. I think that might be one of the reasons why I don't. I'm not as in love with this movie as I. I. it probably should be like there's there's something about him. It just like it's hard for me to just get into him. In Too emotional? No, I just it is hard. It's he's not believable as a genius like astronaut. Like I don't know. There's there's something about him. I just don't. I don't. I don't. It's not believable to me. Okay. Does that make sense? Who would you have picked to do better? I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt would have been better in this role. And I, I, not because I love him so much, but like, as serious as he is, and like, I think he, he, I think he would have been really, really good in this movie. So I, that's just kind of my take on it, but. I'm going Seth Rogen. JK, I'm kidding. I could see Jonah Hill, maybe. That's something I'd have to think about. I don't know. <laughs> no, but it's, I mean, it's a good movie. I just, I don't think it's as, that's what it is to me is good. Like, it's not, it's definitely not in my top three of his, of Nolan's movies. Oh, yeah, I'll agree with that. But I'll say that I think, I think the reason, I think you watch this movie 20 years later and probably like it more. I think the research that went into it is what probably impresses me the most. Because, like, after the fact, after having seen it and watched it several times and, like, knowing... Because, I mean, what they say, like, if you think that you understand physics, then you 
don't understand physics. Like, like there's so much to that. And like, there's so much that no, that we don't know and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that they like, they kind of wrap their heads around it, like landing on the planet. And like, when they get back off the planet, the guy that waited for them off planet had aged what, like 20 years or something like that. Because like, the yeah, it was like 21 years. And, and they were only gone for two or three hours. A matter of hours, yeah. Like yeah. That's, that, that's well, the that's, kind of... Sh- yeah, there's like... So when they're on that planet, the music actually lines up with it perfectly. But the music in the background has a ticking noise. And the ticks occur every 1.25 seconds. And 1.25 seconds on that planet is one day on Earth. So if they were there, I think it was three hours. I think it was three hours, but so which is fucking crazy that they that they do that, and it's it was. I mean, that's a very that's very cool. So that's that's kind of shit that like. I mean, I think when you when you get to the point where you're making movies that like you're you're a big enough director that you're making a movie that you know people are gonna fucking come see in the movie theater. They're gonna pay money to sit down the seat and watch a movie. Like some dudes just fucking like. You know, just clock in and just fucking just do it. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Like you get like, no offense, but like you get your Michael Bay's. They just like, they make a movie and it just is what the fuck it is. Yeah. You guys that just like, they fucking just show up and like, yeah, whatever. But like he puts into so much reality into his films. Heart and soul, man. That it's impressive because it's like th- the research that goes into that. This kind of movie anyway. Um, That's the impressiveness to me. So, I'm not sure who I saw at first the first time. I don't know if we went together or not. I'm not sure. Like, I saw it here at the Regal. And then, like, a month later, my dad and I went to Denver and uh, saw it in saw an it IMAX. IMAX yeah. And it just, it, it was so much better that way. Visually yeah, and I- and the audio. Like, it. I don't know. Like, it, it's just a different experience. And Chris Nolan's so, like, all about filming on IMAX cameras now, too, that it's like, I feel like you just have to go see it there. Well, when we get to the next film, that's noticeable, because, like, when we get to that film, like, I have so much to say about it. Like, it's it's my favorite of his movies. Um, but it's, like, it's the intensity sometimes. you ha- You need that big of a screen to make things... It, it kind of like you need that you need that to translate some of the shit that happens. Like it's it's pretty fucking phenomenal. There so. were times like when I was seeing it at the IMAX where I felt like I was in fucking space. And I didn't I didn't feel that way at the you know just a regular movie theater. Right. It was like part of it might have been because my dad and I were like the only two people in a big ass IMAX theater because it was like probably six weeks after it came out, but. We were both just like fucking blown away, and it yeah. sucks we don't have an IMAX theater because I would go all the time. Wow, well, there's not a lot of them, so like twenty dollars a ticket, take my fucking money, I don't care. I think that's kind of what movie going experiences need to be, to me anyway. Oh yeah, so how do you feel about <clears throat> after he goes in the black hole and winds up in what they call the Tesseract? which is just a giant maze in space for him to talk back in time to his daughter 
and he figures out Morse code is how he can communicate and how he saves the whole planet. Um, I think that was part of, like, to me, that was the weaker part. I mean, at that point, up to when he goes into the black hole, it's just, because we can look into space, we can see that black holes exist, we can see all that kind of stuff, what they are, what they, what they represent, what we can do. The whole science of it is we, we know that black holes do exist, but we don't know what they are, like, we don't know what ha- happens. So it's just like, he... I just, that part of it, I mean, at the beginning of the movie when that shit's happening, like with his daughter and she's like, oh my gosh, the books keep falling off and this and that, like, as soon as like you kind of start watching the movie, like, ah, that's probably what's going to, like, you can kind of like read the future and see that that's kind of what's going to happen. That's probably some sort of thing, but I don't, I just, that was, I think that's one of the other parts where I fell off, like McConaughey and then that part of it was like the weaker part for me. That shit kind of, like, I think just because I couldn't think of something like that, it kind of blew me away. It kind of made me feel like, how could someone fucking come up with that? Like, at the end of a black hole, you wind up in a maze of your past experiences, and then you have to fucking go through the whole maze and figure out, like, where the right timeline is. I don't know. Like, I know there's probably, like, who knows what's inside of a black hole. Like, we'll never know, but I feel like that was a pretty solid idea to come up with. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting take. I just, I thought it was, I don't know. I think it was kind of one of my, like, one of my frustrations with it. Like, I, I wasn't a fan of that, but. And then he comes out and he's only what? A year or two older, and his daughter is like fucking a hundred years old yeah, she's, <laughs> on her she's deathbed. Like, she's like ninety. And she's like, I waited for you, and you're like, what? <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Time space continuum. Let's see if I got anything else on that. Oh yeah, this is kind of cool. I didn't know this until I started taking these notes. The scene near the end when Cooper travels through or travels out of the Tesseract back through the wormhole. You remember that? Yeah. Once he figures it out, like he goes like back through all that shit. Right. When he's touching Brand's hand, which is Anne Hathaway, it resembles Michelangelo's creation of Adam painting in the Sistine Chapel. I didn't know that. Hmm. I didn't know either. That's kind of cool. First Chris Nolan movie where Michael Caine's character dies. Because he's been in a bunch of them, right? Yeah, he's been in seven. Seven? Uh-huh. Everyone since Batman Begins. And like I said, in Dunkirk, he's a voice, but... He still counts. Yeah. Oh, this was kind of cool, too. Uh, For one of the cornfield scenes... Chris Nolan sought to grow 500 acres of corn, which he learned was feasible from him producing Man of Steel in 2013, and then the corn was actually sold and they made a profit on it. (laughs) It's random, but it's like, so they grew corn for Man of Steel and then grew corn for this movie, because corn was like all they could grow since the planet was fucked up. Right. (laughs) But yeah, so they grew 500 acres of corn and then sold all of it. Weird. 
We should talk about Man of Steel a little bit too, since CBS is gone and we're not like in a massive hurry. <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean it's just a, just a tidbit because I love that movie a lot. He was, you know, like he was the final say on shit. I feel so like he's kind of the mastermind behind it, but <clears throat> yeah. Throw it in there before we hit the last one. Oh yeah, Man of Steel. Just we talked a little bit before when um, Cavill saying that he's like not done being Superman, which I don't think he needs to be done. I think he's fucking fantastic. I think he's he looks in my head. I picture a Superman. He is Superman to me. Um, Brandon Roth, Routh, Routh. He was fucking terrible. Um, the guy, there's like that CW show where Superman will show up on the, on those shows periodically. The guy that they have playing him in those, I think he's fucking terrible. Um, I like Christopher Reeve a lot, but it's just like Superman, Superman has this, uh, there's a certain thing about Superman that like, I, but when you watch the Man of Steel, like the reality of like, this person who this adopted alien who comes to Earth and raised by two, Kevin Costner was great in it. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it was really well cast. Like even what's her name, Diane Lane? Is that who it is? It plays Martha Kent. Yeah, like I think that was perfectly cast. I think Amy Adams as Lois Lane is perfectly cast. Yeah, she's great. Jor- like Russell Crowe's Jor- his dad. Russell Jor- Crowe is perfect. I know a lot of people hate on Michael Shannon, but. I don't know the character Zod that well, but I thought he was good as it. No, I mean, that's that's Zod, you know? Like, I mean, the only other Zod that most people would probably know is from Superman 2, which, like, it's it's kind of a, re, a, a little bit of a rehashing of Superman 2, but, like, in a new updated version. But it's like, like, what would you do if, like, some dude just, like... I mean, I think people could... The, vigil, the vigilantism of, of Batman... I think it would be tolerable to people in big cities. Like, if, like, oh, I live in New York City and there's a guy in a fucking black suit that goes around and, like, beats up bad guys when they try to rob you. They're like, okay, cool, that's awesome. But it's like, oh, there's this fucking thing, this guy that, like, can fly and he can fucking bend steel with his bare hands and, like, shoot fucking fire from his eyeballs. Like, that being a thing is people's reactions in that movie like were like seemed real like they're like genuinely terrified just by superman's reactions like when he's like saving the people from the the oil rig people like what in the fuck is going on like right like that's what you would do like if you were somewhere and all of a sudden some guys start flying and like couldn't what the fire didn't hurt him and nothing hurt him and he was like saving everybody you're just like like what the fuck do you do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like that that I thought was cool, and I think that that was Chris Nolan take like that. That was his influence of like if 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 DC Comics characters existed in real life, like what what would that look like? Because people wouldn't freak the fuck out if Superman really existed. They wouldn't be like, oh yeah, whatever. They they would be like not into that. Oh yeah, there'd be fucking riots everywhere. They'd be like, what the fuck? We're gonna. Oh. But the fact that he's raised by, like, two parents in fucking Kansas that, like, just give, like, instill in him, like, a sense of just morality. And, like, I mean, I know it's directed by Snyder, but it's, like, 
I don't think that that's I, I I don't think the success of the movie and what makes that movie so good because I like that movie a lot. So do I. Um, I don't think that that was Zack Snyder. I think that he is kind of like filled a slot. Like, like after that is where DC lost me. Yeah, you know, that like was, that was the last one that I was like, uh, it was just so good. Like Superman always just seems like such a <sighs> Boy Scout. I don't know if that's the right word, but here's here's the best explanation of Superman. So Superman is pretty much all powerful. But he's raised by two human beings who just live life. Like they just they're good people. And people ask him okay, there's a drought in Tanzania. Why haven't you fixed that yet? And he's just like, I'm not your God. I'm just here to... I'm just here to live with you. Not, I'm, not, I'm not here to, like, to rule over you. And like, somebody who has... He's all-powerful, but he has to like... His morality level is such a place where he's just... He has to keep himself at a like, certain place. Like... He could he could crack the earth in half like if he wanted to, but he doesn't, and it just that's the interesting character. Like you have to write him from a certain aspect that like makes him interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think that that's what's like. I think Chris. I I think with Chris Nolan's help, I think they I, they tackled that pretty well. I think that if he would have stayed on board, I think the DC Cinematic Universe would be amazing. I think that they, right. I think they could have rivaled Marvel, for sure. And I think at this point they don't because they just, they shit the bed and try to go a different direction and try to make it too comic booky. And it's like if they would have just stuck with what they what, what was working because the Dark Knight trilogy worked, it was successful. It, it like if you stuck with that, it, I think that that like that, that's that's where I think that they failed. Yeah, they went off track. After this movie is where they failed, like you said, that that's where they lost you. So, what was the next one after that? Was uh, it Batman v Superman? Yeah, and then I was like, no, and just Zach, no. Was Zack Snyder like made it too comic booky and too it just? Yeah, I keep hearing now that uh, all these people were petitioning for Zack Snyder to see Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. And I, I heard now that it's not happening. Oh, really? Yeah. Suppose there's 80 pages of rewrites after he left. 80 full pages of rewrites, like script rewrites, after he left. That's how different it is. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know how many pages a script of script of that magnitude is. I don't. You know what I mean? I don't know. But like 80 pages. 300 like, maybe. 80 pages. 250. 300. A lot. <clears throat> so. Probably a fourth of it. Or over. I don't know. So anyway. The one thing I don't know is like, alright, so if J.J. Abrams is on board, the one problem I have with that, I don't have a problem with Henry Henry Cavill being Superman, but if J.J. Abrams is on board, I'd be interesting to see like his take from the beginning. I guess it doesn't need a reboot, but like, I would be curious to see his take on where it starts. You don't think he could just take take it and do Man of Steel 2, basically? 
Yeah, I guess. I guess like, that's kind like, of follow up where that one ended. Kind of just take it and like just go from there. I guess I could see that. I can't think of like anyone like, off the top of my head that would be a good Superman. But basically, though. just retcon fucking Batman v Superman Justice League and just like for Man of Steel, then go Man of Steel too. Like at that point, and just like make your own Lex Luthor, make your own fucking all that shit, and go like from that point on. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they could de- they could do that very easy. It would. I don't. I don't know how many people would piss off, but probably a lot. But who cares? Because they're wrong. Right. I mean, the only there's only like w- there's one takeaway from Justice League that I enjoyed, and that was fucking at the very end of it, like the Superman and the Flash racing. I thought was fucking rad because that shit happened in the comic books way back in the day, and it just like once when, when the Flash is like running around when Superman first comes back to life, and like Superman just looks at him and he's like, "Oh fuck!" Like that kind that interaction was kind of cool, like with Ez- him and Ezra Miller, but like. I mean, there was there was there's not much worth keeping in those those movies. Like, I I think, I think Jesse uh, Eisenberg is it Eisenberg. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's that was just not right. He's no Lex Luthor. Too. No, that was that was not right. Fucking sign up Cranston and just fucking get the shit done right. Well, it's like, dude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, okay, he's supposed to be at least somewhat scary. And you see Jesse Eisenberg in those movies, and you're like, dude, I would fucking knock this kid out with one punch and then shit in his mouth. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. It's like, that's not Lex Luthor. Like, I, I'm not scared of him at all. It's I, just comical. It's like... Just like uh, I would just, like, flick him, with my fi- my, flick him with my super fingers and, like, take a super piss on his face and just, like, <clears throat> melt the skin off, you know? Because, I mean, yeah. imagine Superman, like, taking a piss of Superman, I think you could probably, like, literally melt the skin off somebody's face it's like with like acid, acid urine. Just because it's so powerful. It'd be like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, just like him pissing on people's faces. It's like Lois could never have Superman's baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, man. It'd be interesting. We'll see how it goes. All right, last one. Last one, man. Dunkirk. Dunkirk is definitely my favorite of all his films. Um, because one, I'm a massive history bu- history buff. Like, like the siege of Dunkirk and all that shit. Like that. That was like a big fucking deal. That was a massive turn, like tide turner in the in World War Two. Um, it kind of, I mean, it, it obviously predates, um, the storming of the beaches of Normandy and all that kind of shit. But like if the fucking British and the French, cause like at the end of that movie, when the general stays and he's like, I'm going to stay till like, till everybody's safe. Like the, a bunch of French, like several hundred thousand French troops get out of there and like as well, like it, uh, if the, if the, the British wouldn't have done that. Like that would have made it almost impossible for the U S to enter the war. And like, it would have given Germany a fucking jumping point from the United kingdom to America as their, as their next. So people don't understand how pivotal that was in the actual grand scheme of world war two. And so, I mean, 
they, I mean, they were losing their ass on the, the Russian side because you don't. What's the dude from fucking Princess Bride? Like, never get into a land war with the Russians. Is that what he says? Something like that. I mean, that's a true story. Oh, fucking um. Because Napoleon like lost his ass in fucking Russia as well. Like, you just don't fucking do it because like Russia's unbearable. But anyway, like as far as World War Two goes, like that was a massive like turning point because like. Anyway, and never mess with a Sicilian when death is on the line. That is that what you're talking about? And never enter a land war with Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, man. Like when we watched this movie, because I went with you. Like I, just like I, I did see uh, Interstellar with you as well, but I saw this one with you as well. Um, a bunch of us went, and the sound in this movie is so memorable that like when the planes were flying overhead or bombs were going off, like he purposely made it so loud that it was uncomfortable. So, and this is the reason I've only watched this movie like three times. Even, even on my two speakers that are next to my TV that are, you know, obviously it's not a surround sound situation because they're in front of me. I feel really uncomfortable watching that just on my TV because it's just for most movies, I'll have my volume up to like 30, 35. And on that one, I'll have it on 15 and still be uncomfortable because it just feels like, I don't know. That's like the best audio I think I've ever heard. Well, they, they Cause it's like, you're, they, you're there. It's like, yeah, fuck. it's, it shakes you to your core. It's like, it's impressive. And, like, I mean, I, I can't even, when we watched it, I was like, holy fuck, man. Like, I, like, at one point plugged my ears because it was so intense. Like, it, it just, and I think that's why he did it. I mean, it's, it's like you leave, you, after you watch that movie, you have PTSD for sure. Yeah, like, and that's. Like the like war is so intense as it is, but like the planes flying over and like oh my god, it was it was so fucking good. Like, and that was when I could not imagine seeing at IMAX because seeing it even just on my own TV is bad enough. That seeing it in IMAX would probably be like right. You'd for real, for real, have PTSD after that. Yeah. Uh I, I think it would be pretty cr- amazing to see it there, actually. But I'm not saying I wouldn't. Right. I'm just saying it'd be fucked up. Tom Hardy, I thought, was fucking great in this movie. It, I mean, there was no actor that was just like a standout actor. <clears throat> well, there wasn't really a lot of dialogue. No. Which, to make a movie of this magnitude... Like, like um, so... Some of the guns, like they're, they're, like some people are like, whoa, if you know anything about war, this gun was this way and this way and this way. But like, um, because of the way that that beach was laid out, the guns were turned a different direction. Like Chris Nolan did the research to know that. So like the gun was turned a certain way because of certain reason on that beach, which was actual factual. And people are like, oh, fuck. Like he did so much research into that kind of stuff. Like the bunkers and like this and that like i mean he did like fucking incredible job like i think probably the only 
World War II movie that I think is better, which is a, which is a, because there's millions of movies made about World War II, but it's, uh, same Private Ryan. Like, that movie is so fucking intense. Like, I've heard other people say the same thing, but like, I watched, when I went and saw Saving Private Ryan, I thought people would leave the fucking movie theater because it was so fucking hardcore. Especially in that fucking opening scene, dude. Oh my it's god. like, and that shit lasts for like 40 minutes. Of just fucking horrible. I mean, I would never walk out of that movie, but when that one guy picks his fucking arm up, I'm just like, oh, I almost checked out there. <laughs> like, fuck, dude. Yeah. This guy's walking around with his fucking severed arm, like, Better yet, shot off arm. Like, how many bullets would that fucking take? So it kind of, it kind of like makes you today. Like you hear, okay, in this, in this new, this new world that we're living in right now, where like people are like, oh, like this is so terrible. This is the worst times we've ever lived in. It's like, um, no, like definitely not. World War Two was a war on a, on a scale of the entire planet was at war with each other. The entire planet. And one person was in charge of a group of people who literally murdered six and a half million fucking people just because he didn't like them. Like, that's worse than the fact that some dude who wants to be a woman... Can't use the restroom marked women. Yeah. Okay. Way, so, way worse. If you, if, if, if you're trans and you want to be trans, fucking so be it. I don't give a fuck whatever you want to do. But like, you got to understand that like the world has been worse, way fucking worse. So like, do some fucking research and realize that like you're a fucking pussy and just get over it. Like, cause that shit was like, holy fuck. Like hundreds of that, like thousands and thousands of boats drove from England to Dunkirk to get fucking soldiers, 10, 15 at, at the most sometimes, and got several hundred thousand people from the beaches of France back to England so they could fucking f continue to fight the war against the fucking Nazis. Like that's, and like Christopher Nolan portrayed that in such an amazing way. It's like, holy fuck, I feel like I was there. Yeah, so. definitely. What I I was blown away when we saw this movie. I was like, that was amazing. So I guess So Chris Nolan received twenty million dollar salary against twenty percent of the box office gross, which is the biggest deal for any director. Except for Peter Jackson, who received the same thing for King Kong. But it was reported later that Chris Nolan agreed to receive a low upfront salary in exchange for a large back end percentage. Like depending on like how much the movie made. Yeah. Like so. Uh, makes sense. But that's even so. That's pretty big numbers for a director. Like directors don't make that much money. And so, what's his next movie? All right. So I was calling it. It's spelled T-E-N-E-T, -E -E which is actually pronounced Tenet. Tenet. Okay. I think it's how you're supposed to say it. Okay. I was saying it like tenant without the N, like tenant, but it's Tenet. Okay. Still nothing on the plot other than it's an action epic re revolving around 
international espionage, time travel, and evolution. So it's like... <laughs> so anything. That sums up, like, a lot of Chris Nolan's movies, so who fucking knows? Right. But, that could be literally anything. But. but we should have a trailer, as far as I understand, in the next two weeks. Or a teaser, at least. Huh. But, yeah, I'm excited for that. There's a few things that I'm like, as far as movies go these days, like, I'm genuinely crazy excited about something coming out. Like, the new Wes Anderson movie, like, the, was the French, what's it called, the French, uh, French something. Like, that one, this one I'm excited about. Just something Dispatch? What is it called? Just because fucking, I love Dunkirk so much, I thought it was fucking so good. Um, but... God, we got CBS's take on fucking Dark Knight Rises. Like, that was... He has a lot of issues with that movie. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do. I I didn't... I, I knew I, when I, I didn't, saw it that I... I didn't dive that deep into it. Like, and he, like, he went into it, dude. I knew when I saw it that it was obviously my least favorite of the three. Yeah, I mean, But that's I noticeable still though. thought, like, hey, this is still a pretty solid movie. Like, it's... Maybe he was just over it at that point. You know, like, maybe... He, like, I don't know if he ever wanted to do a trilogy. Yeah, I mean, I think you gotta kind of wrap that shit up. But once you do two, like... I I think that, like... Because I think the problem with that shit was that he expected Heath Ledger to be alive still. Because Heath Ledger was supposed to play a major role in the third movie. Yeah, so it threw and, his whole game off. And so, like, it fucked everything up. And I think he's like, eh, I'm just gonna... I mean, that's a good point. Who knows what we would have got out of Heath Ledger in the next one? You know? I mean, because Joker... I mean, CBS could possibly disagree, but I don't know. Joker's by far, in my head, the greatest Batman villain ever. Like, he's the exact, like... He's the same, but opposite. Like, he's, he's like, the same... Like, different side of the same coin, kind of, like, to Batman. Like, the insanity, the craziness, like... Like, and he... So, I don't know. I think that, um, the, if Ledger would have been alive, so like that would have been, I think that could have been brilliant, but yeah. who knows what that, I mean, we'll never know. <clears throat> I mean, I think that's probably, you know, probably a good chance of what happened is Ledger was gone and then he was like, well, what the fuck do I do now? And it probably fucked him up too, because like, I'm, you know, their relationship was close and then. He might have felt partially responsible because he fell into such a darkness because of that movie. Right. I don't think it was because of the movie, but I mean, like that it didn't probably didn't help as far as method acting goes. Like he, I think he went into that role just like just just embraced it fully. Yeah, I mean, when you know anything about like method actors, like Daniel Day Lewis, shit, like he. Andy Lewis, when he was Abraham Lincoln, refused to be even called Daniel. Like he, he had to be called Abe. Like he just they when they go into that shit, they're just in that shit. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, man, we did your boy. What else you got? Yeah. I know, man. I, you know, he's my fave. He's probably gonna continue being my fave. I know people think I'm crazy when I say that. By the end of his career, he'll be the best director of all time. But I think he will. That's just what I think. But, uh... It kind of makes me want to revisit, because we've kind of hit a stride in this podcast. Like, in the last 
I don't know, probably 15 episodes, we kind of like started really hitting the stride and like doing things like more smoothly. Kind of makes me want to go back and revisit Wes Anderson because I don't feel like that episode went as smoothly as it could have. I think we could have, should have waited on it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, know, I know. probably should have waited on several of them, but, but I mean, it is what it is, what it is, but like as far as directors go, you know, we all have our favorite, like we have personality, I think kind of dictates that too, like a kind of film that we love, but that, I mean, I love Wes Anderson and you understand why I love Wes Anderson. Just like, I understand why you love, you know, Chris Nolan. So it just, like who we are as people and like what we represent, like it kind of like. Well, Nolan, like I was a fan at the beginning, but I didn't know he was going to turn into being my favorite director until like, I think Batman Begins is when I realized like, I feel like this guy is something special. Like, especially to that point, even after the Dark Knight, I'm like, this guy hasn't made a bad fucking movie. This is insane. Right. Even Dark Knight Rises, I know a lot of people don't like it, but I'm like, it's still not a bad movie. Like to me, his track record is like, I don't think he's made a bad movie out of... How many are there? Was it nine? As a director, it's 15, but it's Dunkirk. Not including the shorts. Yeah, and Dunkirk, the- Interstellar, Dark Knight, Rises, Inception, Dark Knight, Prestige, Batman Begins, Insomnia, Memento. Follows? Ten? Ten. All right. So ten out of ten movies, I feel like he hasn't made a bad movie. You can't really say that about many people. I mean, you you have a few directors, like even Bill Murray. Let's let you see. We'll use Bill Murray as an example. Bill Murray is brilliant, and amazing as he is. There's a couple. There's a couple times he's called it in. So like, Garfield. Right. He makes jokes about it in fucking, like multiple things. Right. So, Chris Nolan at any point could have just called it in on like. They could have been like, we're going to give you $100 million to make um, The Princess Diaries 9. And he'd have been like, you know, like, as, like, like, oh, it's $100 million. Like, fuck it. But he's right. like, but he's just like, he's more, like, the art's more important to him. So he's like, fuck it. No, I'm not, like, I'm not saying that, that you know, that happened. But he hasn't done that yet. I think, like, as far as, as far as that's gone for him is Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises was probably his call-in. Like it's like probably the the as close to him calling it in as anything, right? So, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, like I, <clears throat> I know some people are gonna talk shit to me for this. Well, maybe if anyone listens to it, but I feel like Inception is probably my favorite movie ever, Damn. and I think it's just because like I love sci-fi. I've loved sci-fi my whole life. My dad made me watch sci-fi when I was a fucking baby. And been watching it ever since. And that movie to me is like perfect sci-fi fantasy. I don't know. He speaks my fucking language. (laughs) He just gets me. And yeah, I mean we'll see we'll see where he goes, but if he's he's forty nine right now, I hope he fucking makes movies into being like eighty years old. Well, that's Chris Nolan, and uh, as I look back on shit, you know, we did Tim Burton early, David Fincher, Spike Jones, uh, 
Man, we just... Here's what we can do. I have a list. Okay. We did an Anthony Bourdain episode. Just a shout out to him. We did Wes Anderson earlier. We did 12. That's, that's long. Tarantino, Kevin Smith, um, James Gunn, J.J. Abrams, Cameron Crowe, uh, sports movies. We did Favreau, right? We have not done Favreau. Guy Ritchie. I thought we did Favreau. M. Night Shyamalan. Studio Ghibli. We talked about Favreau like all throughout the Anthony Bourdain thing, kinda. We've talked about Favreau a million times. Right. All the Marvel shit too, but Stanley, Richard Donner, two Christmas episodes, Coen Brothers, Brian Singer, Tom Hanks, Pixar, um, Martin Scorsese, Captain Marvel, Peter Jackson, uh, George Lucas, Ridley Scott, Bill Murray, James Cameron. Tom Hanks, Rob Zombie, Richard Kelly, Todd Phillips, Hogan, and Tony Scott. So, All right, so I'm going to list heavy hitters we have not yet done. So Steven as, Spielberg. As, well, as you listen to this, if you guys want one of these, let us know. Yes. Steven Spielberg. Which I think that's, that's going to be a two-part. That's going to sure. be a two-part. He has too many fucking movies. So we'll do a part one, part two. Stanley Kubrick. That's a big one we haven't done. I still can't decide which one. Well, I think my dad would want to be in on one of the Steven Spielberg ones. We did. Um, we did talk to him. I think I thought he said Cooper could be a. I mean, he could be in anyone he wants. Yeah, your right. Dad, your dad drives my fucker, so he could be. Uh, Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. Like Back to the Future. He's done a shit ton of movies too, but. Right. Uh, Soderbergh, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, that's a solid one. We haven't done the Fairley Brothers. Fairley Brothers, Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson, big one. Um, Antoine Fuqua, which I think we'll save for Black History Month. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> Darren Aronofsky. That's a good one. Pie Requiem for a Dream, The Fountain, The Wrestler. Actually, he he was in line for a Batman movie before Nolan, and it got scrapped. Do you know about that? I did not. He was in line for a Batman movie based on Intimidation Game. I don't know if it's... I don't know that story, really, but that I, I was reading about that as I was taking notes for Nolan. Here's the deal, like, one that we haven't done that I don't know... His directorship is really small, but his writing credits is massive. Who? John Hughes. Right. Like, he's he's written 52 movies, but he only directed eight. So it's like, I think that'd be a really fun one to do. But, like, because he's done some fucking classics. For sure. So, I mean, you got your Home Alones, you got your fucking 16 Candles, Weird Science. Danny Boyle? We haven't done Danny Boyle, huh? We've talked about his movies some here and there, but we haven't done him. Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Heavy hitter. Oliver Stone. Heavy hitter. Wolfgang Peterson. That could be a good one. Um, What else? Do you know who Edward Zwick is? What's he done? All right, check this out. He has a good list of movies. You'll probably know all of them. But he was... I feel like he had more back in the day than he does now. 
I also feel like we need to top, top like there's some actors we need to hit too. Yeah, for sure. Because what if we what, what if we only do three actors basically? If you can include Hulk Hogan. Yep. So you did like Tom Hanks, Bill Murray. So Ed Zwick about last night. I don't know if I've seen that. Glory. Okay. Leaving normal. I don't know that one. Glory's the Civil War one, right? Uh huh. Legends of the Fall. Okay. Courage Under Fire. Okay. The Siege. The Last Samurai. Blood Diamond. Defiance. Love and Other Drugs. Pawn Sacrifice. Jack Reacher sequel. Trial by Fire. I don't know what that one is. So we have a good solid another 50 episodes <clears throat> with all these guys. Uh, yeah, there's more too. Hitchcock. That's the one my dad might want to do more than Kubrick. Hitchcock's going to be hard because as much as I've seen a lot of those, we're going to go back and watch. Like, cause there's so we many. Can, we can plan that one ahead because yeah, we'll to... almost all of his shit has been put out on Blu-ray. Like, I have right. a ton of it. So it wouldn't be that hard. We would just have to actually make an effort, like, to choose a date, like, two months out and, like, actually watch his fucking movie. You know who else actually picked, picked like, because I, I, I've asked several people to be guests on here, and uh, Michael Gonzalez said he loved to do a Hitchcock one. Oh, which all I, right. Which I thought was crazy. That could work. Clint Eastwood. I don't know if we could do him as an actor and director in one episode. That might be too much. We could do those separate. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we could probably do both. We just have to just focus. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Sam Raimi, which Marky wants to do. He yeah. said forever ago. There's still more that I have on this list, but those are like the big ones. So we've got a lot. There's several that are really good that still just only have like four or five films that we wait some more years. I mean, actor-wise, I think there's only like, there's only, probably only a handful of actors that like really deserve like an entire episode, but... We saw, Leo, for sure. Leo, Tom Hanks. Brad Pitt. It was, like, that's why we did him, because he was Bassett, but like, but Mel Gibson, as a director and as an actor. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Be massive. Um, Harrison Ford, I think, would be fucking huge. Ben Affleck, I think, as an a director, he's kind of, right. I think he'd be a good one. But as an actor, though, he's he's done some good shit, too. So, for, as far as, I mean, we're kind of, like, pre, like preluding, like, the re next 50 episodes, per se. Like, what people want to hear, what people want to see. Like, we're kind of just falling into the groove, man. We're getting it. And then, obviously, you know, I think we should do a couple composers. Obviously, we'll do John Williams first. Gotta do John Williams. And then I think we should do a Hans Zimmer one, too. Yeah. But, you know, that'd be another thing we could jump into. You know my favorite composer, so. Danielle, I mean, I mean, I don't, obviously, John Williams is my favorite composer. Like, it should be, that should be everybody's favorite composer. Yeah. But, like, Danny Elfman, I think, is just incredible, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have all of his, at least all of his Tim Burton scores, I have all of them, but... I mean, to me, Beetlejuice is still one of my favorite film scores. Pee-wee's Big Adventure is one of my favorites, so. 
It's so good. Like, and people are like, oh, Pee Wee Herman, that's fucking ridiculous. But like, you listen to the score, you're like, this is good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been a good fifty, man. Can't believe we've been there for this long. Right. So um, let's get to a hundred faster. Yeah, we have to get. We got to get on that. But we do have the because uh, our anniversary episode is um, the next Oscars. So that's like because we kind of like start this podcast on the Oscars. So yeah. we'll do an anniversary episode on that. Which I, don't, I mean, by then, who knows what episode that'll be? Probably like sixty-two. I bet something. Yeah. So what's usually in February? Yeah, I think it's been the first week of March the last few years. Yeah, it's like right around the Super Bowl time. It's like, like kind of close. I think it's I think it's after the Super Bowl. We'll have that coming up two um, weeks or so after the Super Bowl, something like that. And we gotta get CBS excited about something. Like something's gotta excite him. Like not just anger, but like not just ice pirates. Right. He was really excited to do an episode where we sit and explain all the Marvel movies to Abby. He was kind of excited about that idea, so we could still do that. All right. Because she's an idiot and doesn't know anything, so. As far as guests go, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say any guest is better than another guest, but her being so ridiculous and not smart about movies makes me enjoy her company on the podcast, I think. Right. Cause it's just a different, yeah. Less judgmental. Because Connor is so good with, like, knowledge. Tom's so good with just, like, passion about film. Like, Marky was good. He did two with us, didn't he? I think just the Ghibli one. I thought they were here one night when, like, that's the night Connor fall, fell down drunk. Like him Did he the- ever get on, though? I don't know if he ever... I don't remember. I don't know. But, yeah... As far as the OG goes, CBS is just angry all the time, you know? He is, man. But, you know, it's part of our charm. If we have that. Yeah, it's part of it, you know? You got any quick music tidbits? Oh, throughout. Oh, yeah. I found a band called, and I think I'm saying this right, but it's spelled. A-U-D-I-O-T-S, like audio, but idiots. So I think it's pronounced audiots, I believe. But it's very... At first, I thought it was Julian Casablanca's from The Strokes because it sounds a lot like him. Right. But it's not. But I think you would dig it. I've been listening to it for a couple days. New band. I think they're out of L.A. But it's very, like... Very kind of has a strokes vibe, like an early strokes vibe. Like, what, what was the first one called? Is this it? <laughs> is this it? This is, or is this it? <clears throat> yeah. Very similar to that, and it, I've been pretty hooked on it. Um, <clears throat> oh, yeah. Hall and Oates with the Christmas album. I actually haven't listened to it yet, but I put it on your computer. That's so. pretty exciting. <laughs> So, some dudes that I know from Scotland, and the pro like, there's some really good bands over there. Like, if if you don't know and you like punk rock, like, um, the Scottish DIY like punk rock scene is massive and amazing. And there's a band there. If you're a fan of Wilhelm Scream, or you're a fan of uh, Strung Out, or 
any of those kind of band that like this real technical punk rock um, bands. There's a band called PMX, and they put out their first single off their new album that comes out in February, I think, and it's called Television, and it is so fucking good. Like, oh my god, fucking good. Like, it's just intense. So, um, Marky posted it like early, early this morning or last late last night, and I I saw it or about five this morning, and I was like. This shit's fucking amazing. That I think their album's gonna be so good. He fell in love with it when we were over there because we played with him a few times. But um, since then, I've seen I saw him when I went back a couple times, and they they're just so like the guitar playing is in, insane. Like the vocals are amazing. Like I think the album's gonna be probably one of the best albums of the year next year. So um, really excited about that coming out. Um, other than that, man. 2019 has been a fucking crazy year. There's been a lot of good music that came out, but it's been a very transitional year for me and like a little weird. So like, it's been kind of funky. Like I think with everybody, it's been like, it's odd. It's been a very odd year. So last year before we go into our roaring twenties. Yeah. Maybe 2020 will be awesome. We'll see. So other than that, man, got anything? Maybe you and I will fucking win a trip and go on a free trip. Maybe. Yeah, no, that's all I got. I mean, Chris Nolan, thank you for... Shout out to some friends that have supported us in the beginning. Like, obviously, Connor and Tom. Yeah. Um, Jess was one of our first uh, reviews. Um... Andrew Baird was one of our first reviews. Yeah. Old Nicholas Steffens. Nikki Nikki Trickles. Nikki Trickles, who did a really good job on our Rob Zombie episode. Yeah, he did. We threw, we forgot to throw him in on fucking guests, so yeah, I apologize for that because he did it. He he did research and for he, for him not wanting to do it, he did really well. Yeah, he did. He did a great job. Um, obviously, thanks to CBS because he edits the fuck out of this shit for us and like. Um, we all do our own part with shit, but like, but the like the editing and the posting and the, that that's a whole demon in itself, and he he takes care of that weekly for us. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's gonna listen to this. I don't give a shit if he does or not. But like, I want people who are listening to this know that like, without CBS, this shit wouldn't be as easy as it is. So definitely not. So like, he makes this shit fucking fucking run. Um. I just look at this shit as like 50 episodes of me hanging out with my best friends talking about things that I love, which is movies. So 50 is good. Even though we don't have a sponsor, it's fine. I don't care. And shout out to First Street Tattoo. Toby, they did, they moved their shop next door and uh, like we, he let us do an episode at his old shop. So uh, we did the studio, studio Ghibli episode there and uh, hopefully we can do another one. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. Chris Nolan, if I had, if I found a genie in a bottle and I had three wishes, one of them might be just to be Chris Nolan's coffee bitch for like a month so I could just see like, I guess if I had a wish, I wouldn't have to be a coffee bitch, but just like be on set and see how that dude works. 
An exec- might be one of my An wishes. executive producer, you just like stand there and act like you're important, but all you do is you get to watch them and enjoy it. I guess that could be my play is like I could just ask for a shit ton of money with one of my wishes and then just like produce all of his movies. Exactly. Like, here you go. I'm whatever you want to do. You want to make a fucking movie about someone eating shit on the side of the road? Here you go. <laughs> here's, here's the money to make it. Like, I don't care. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make a fucking movie about a cat that, like, is in the litter box, but he shits over the side on the floor on purpose because he's a fucking asshole? Done. Catception. Catception. <laughs> cool. I think that's all we got. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you keep listening. And, yeah. Got anything else to say? Take us out, bro. Thank right. you always have. Love you all. Hootie hoo! And then went back and watched the following. But it's one of the.